being passed off as beef for kebabs and burgers. The owners deny any wrongdoing. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he's concerned by a post shared by a member of his staff on Twitter. Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner Dr Rachel Frosch, a Conservative, retweeted a comment which likened socialists to Nazis. Political reporter Paul Scoynes has the details. The Deputy Commissioner has told the BBC the tweet was not her view and that she did not consider socialists to be Nazis. The Police Commissioner David Lloyd said commissioners and deputies should be aware of their public status and has asked to meet with Dr Frosch later this week for an explanation. Disability tests will continue to be carried out at the Luton building at the centre of an accessibility row. The government has ruled that Cresta House complies with the Equality Act, even though people are being warned the sixth floor assessment centre is unsuitable for those with limited mobility, as there's no emergency escape provision for them. Attempts to find an alternative location have failed, leaving clients like Jermaine with something of a dilemma. <laughs> there's no confidence at all, because I'm not walking down them stairs quick, quick enough. Even with my crutches, my knees are still really bad, and it's still putting pressure and pain and I'm not running downstairs or walking down there fast. The best thing for me to do is throw myself down the stairs. A quarter of agencies providing home help services to people in England are failing to meet all of the required quality and safety standards. That's the finding of an inspection report by the regulator, the Care Quality Commission. It says that while many organisations are delivering good care, there are still areas of concern. Sport now and in Football's League 1, MK Dons are now 10 points off the playoff positions after their nil-nil draw with Doncaster last night and Stevenage are 14th in the table after losing 2-0 at Brentford. The weather frosty this morning with a chance of light, sleet or snow later and a top temperature of 3 degrees Celsius. That's 37 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Here's a story you missed. You know I asked you for 50 pence so yes. I could buy Mars from the machine? Because the Mars bars in the machine here are 45 pence. Are they? No, they've gone up to 70 pence. Well, that's why I said to you, have you got enough money? But for the whole time I've been here, they have been 45 pence. Now this morning, 70 pence. Do you, you want 20p? Yeah, would you mind? No, not Cheers. Sure. 70 pence! It's an increase of, let me work this out, hang on. 25 pence! Hey, Chihuahua! Luckily, I found a pound in my bag. It was all right. I've had my chocolate fix. But boy, oh boy, that machine is going to see a lot less of me, let me tell you. Morning to listener Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Wednesday. I'm a bit thick-headed this morning. I went to bed. Get this, get this, what time I went to bed. Quarter past five. <laughs> Quarter past five. I didn't get to sleep till about six. Then I woke up at half seven for a little bit. Ten minutes, went back to sleep. Then I woke up at half ten for an hour. And then I woke up at four. It's brilliant. So I'm, I'm kind of, I've had too much sleep. My head is wrapped in a thick, warm duvet at the moment, and I can barely see out of it. But I'll have a darn good go. And we, we've got lots in the show, so I'm, I'm going to try and make an effort for you. Be rude not to. Some of the things we're talking about this morning include campaigners say an out-of-town shopping centre will force traders in Leighton Buzzard to close. What do you do to support your local high street? Or is it time that we just write off the high streets? 08459 455 555. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. Political reporter Paul Scoynes will be here to explain why. And have you ever had a call from a company out of the blue just telling you there's something wrong with your computer? But don't worry, they can help. Well, guess what? It's a scam. It's a convincing scam and lots of people have fallen victim to it. We'll hear from a former hacker about the techniques they use to get money out of you. 
Lots of ways you can get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text. Do include your name if you're going to text, please. 81333. Starting your text 3CR. And you can give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it's claimed that a new shopping centre for Leighton Buzzard could destroy the town's traditional high street. Campaigners fear an out-of-town retail park in Grovebury Road will put shoppers away, pull shoppers away from the heart of the town and force traders to close. Councillors decide whether to approve the plans today. Shoppers we spoke to wanted to protect the high street, but also like the idea of more shops. What you need you can get in the high street, then you don't want to reduce the high street because the high street struggles as it is with smaller shops and things. On the other hand, if it's stuff that you wouldn't be getting in the high street otherwise, then and traipsing off to Milton Keynes or the other side of Dunstable or whatever. Obviously, it's a benefit. There's not a lot of shops compared to like Milton Keynes and Bletchley and places like that. So it would be better, definitely like a Primark and things like that. Our high street seems to be diminishing all the time. You know, I noticed today what I might call a posh dress shop is seems to have shut down overnight. They can't compete. Out of town obviously bring a lot of people in and trade, but also I think you need to spend money on Leighton Buzzard Town Centre itself. Great to have a Marks and Spencers or, you know, some bigger department store type. It's just lacking a little bit and it's a shame, I mean, the charity shops are great, but it's a shame that a lot of them are charity shops. I think, you know, I can see both sides of it. I'd like to hear more about the proposed development behind the high street here, which was mooted a couple of years ago and nothing else seems to have happened, which could possibly um, provide more of the best of both worlds by bringing bigger stores in closer to the town centre. But we we do need still to boost the high street and make sure that survives. Well, one shopkeeper who's worried about the future of Leighton Buzzard is Tom Shattock, who owns TK Furniture. Morning, Tom. Good morning. What impact do you think that an out-of-town shopping centre would have on the high street? It would take away footfall from the high street, which, if you do that, then you will have a decline in your high street, as you have had in Dunstable. We would anticipate that they have something like 20 to 40% at the worst scenario of empty premises if this retail park goes ahead because it's also the the same size what they're developing is the same size as the whole high street it would be like building a bedford retail park the size of all the retail space in bedford it is really madness on a massive scale and it's not in the town plan it's uh, just out of the blue these developments and not just one there's two so the future of the town center is being undermined basically if this goes ahead. People want development within the town centre, yes. as a gentleman just mentioned, off the high street. There is, uh, Central Base has been dealing with that for a number of years, and there is space there to expand. The main thing we need is clothes shops, but clothes shops will not be allowed to go on these retail parks, so they will ultimately undermine the whole high street structure as we have it. Won't people continue to shop on the high street, uh, uh, Tom, if you are offering value for money and something a little bit different? Of course there will. People, the high street is fine as it is. We do need more shops, but not um, our retail park. We want an extension to the existing high street, which is what people have voted for. And if people had been asked in the beginning what they would like, which has not happened, we've had to do surveys ourselves, and 90% or more of people said no to the outer town, but yes to the town centre. 
and uh, it just needs political will to get on with the work in the town centre and get that done. But this is a this is a leapfrog a leapfrog operation of developers coming in saying not only that they're going to want to build, but that it, they're saying it won't have an effect on the town centre, and everybody knows that's not true. So we're fighting this, you know. Tom, our, our shopping habits have, have changed in the last 15, 20 years with the internet, with these out-of-town yes. uh, retail parks. Do you think that this is just the natural evolution and that the high street, it, 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 the high street's over and is finished and we should accept that and move on? No, because people are, people will, we, we've got 20% of people in Leighton Buzzard who don't even own a car. We've got hundreds of people in the 70s, 80s and 90s who walk into the town from uh, warden control place that they've come to Leighton Buzzard so, because it doesn't have retail parks. So there's a one-stop shop, the town, for many, many people. You do need out of town as well, but there is loads of retail parks within 15 minutes drive. People will still go to Milton Keynes, to John Lewis, Ikea's, Primates. They'll still go to those places. We're only a small town. It's like if you had an extension to your house and you, you wouldn't build an extension to your house down the bottom of the garden which is twice this, which is bigger than the house itself. It's crazy to even consider this. Tom, listen, I'm sure the people behind this are listening to this right now, or if not, they'll listen to it on, on the iPlayer. What's your message to them, to the council and to the Claymore group who put in one of the planning applications? They're, they're, it's madness, and it's, it's, it's the evidence they're using is not, not substantiated. It will, without question, undermine the 1,000-year the, town we've got, the market we've got, uh, everything about the town. It's taken a thousand years to bring it this far, so you've got most things, not everything, no places, no retail park has got everything that everybody wants. You can go to the lake and buy a ball of twine, uh, or a buy, you can buy a, a ball of wool. Tom, listen, we have to, sorry to cut you short, we have to end it there, we're running out of time. I think you've got your message across very passionately and very powerfully. Uh, we have spoken to the Claymore Group, who have put in one of the planning applications. They say, we've consulted widely on this scheme and listened to the views of local residents and councillors. Our guiding principle from the outset of this project has been to offer retail a uh, real retail choice which complements the town center the development will provide a number of community benefits including the creation of up to 100 jobs substantial contributions to the town center improved links and the potential for up to 15 small startup business units well what what do you do dear listener to support your high street or or should we just accept the facts that the high street's over it's dead it's an old-fashioned concept we've got amazon we've got play.com we've got these out-of-town retail parks Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five.
of the high, high street. I love it. I love it. I, clothes and shoes. I went to buy some black shoes yesterday. Clothes and shoes always get from the high street. We'll never, we'll never buy clothes online. I don't know how on earth you can do it. I want to try it on. A couple of shirts I bought, but mainly I buy them from the high street. And I like a good wander up the high street. But do we have to accept that perhaps the high street is dead? It's finished. 08459 455 555. What do you do to keep your high street going? Or are you thinking, actually, 2013, the high street's a bit old-fashioned? You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 6.15, here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. So far this morning, everything does seem to be moving absolutely fine on the roads. We've got no delays on any of the major routes across the three counties. Looking at the cameras on the M40... Very few people out and about yet. M25's looking all right as well. Now, if you're using the A41 to get into London, this could be a bit of a problem through Hendon. The A41 is closed southbound, a serious accident where it meets the M1 at Junction 2. That's five ways. It's closed beneath the M1, so all A41 and A1 traffic at the moment is being directed down the A1 toward the North Circular Road. So one to bear in mind if you are driving that way down to London, perhaps an alternate route. Trains so far are looking alright. We have got a couple of problems on the tubes. The Metropolitan line running with severe delays between Wembley Park and Aldgate. Minor delays on the rest of the line after a signal failure earlier this morning at Wembley Park. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 6.16. It's Wednesday the 13th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners say a new out-of-town shopping centre could be the death of Leighton Buzzard's High Street. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering a Milton Keynes teenager, Rachel Manning, will resume their deliberations this morning. In sport, League Two, Wickham Wanderers lost 3-0 at home to Bradford City last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks frosty this morning with the chance of a light sleet or snow later. Top temperature is three degrees. And coming up, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. We'll find out more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Weekdays from three, local news. Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford. Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation at the age of one. Debate. Coming up after six, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. It's the family and lifestyle debate. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Roberto Perez. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, oh, here's a song. Let's see if we can get through this without crying, shall we? A little bit of Neil Diamond, Forever in Blue Jeans. Oh, yes, please. 
But he don't sing and dance and he don't walk As long as I can have you here with me I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans Honey is sweet But it ain't nothing next to baby's treat And if you pardon me, I'd like to say We do okay forever in blue jeans Uh, makes me sad. Love a bit of Neil Diamond. It does. I love Neil Diamond. He's good. Now, here's something interesting. The Police and Crime Commissioner, for Har- that implies everything else so far has not been interesting. It has, and it will be again. But this is very interesting. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. The Deputy Poli- uh, Police and Crime Commissioner shared a tweet likening socialists with Nazis. Dr Rachel Frosch, a Conservative, retweeted or published a post from another user featuring a quote from Adolf Hitler. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoyne says the details. Paul, what, what's happened? Well, Dr Frosch, Ian, was appointed as the Deputy to Hertfordshire's PCC in December and she earns around £20,000 a year for working at a two-day week. Excuse me? Yes. £20,000 a year for a two-day week? For a two-day week. Wowzers. Okay. She's also uh, an NHS consultant and she's a member of Harpenton Town Council as well. Now, this tweet, uh, which I've left upstairs, annoyingly, uh, which I was going to show you, was uh, retweeted at the end of January. Uh, The original tweet uh, just said, Dear Socialists, embrace your inner Nazism. And then there was a picture beneath uh, with a quote from Hitler about socialism. I'm struggling to understand why... (laughs) 
why she would do this. Well, it was a retweet, and it's not really inter- entirely certain why she did that. She's, uh, she said that she's not available for interviews at the moment, so she can't come on and explain herself. Okay. Yeah, she sent me a little statement yesterday uh, where she said that she made it clear that she didn't agree with the tweet and did not consider that Labour supporters or socialists associated in any way with the Nazis, and she wouldn't want people to think that. Uh, she said, unfortunately, some believe that a retweet is an endorsement. It isn't. Let me just step in there. It isn't if you flag up that it isn't an endorsement. If you just retweet it as is, then that does imply it's an endorsement. It's certainly ambiguous. Yes. Um, so she said then that the, 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 her view is that the argument as to whether, I'm quoting here, authoritarian, nationalist, racist parties are right-wing or left-wing doesn't stand up. Uh, she said they're so far removed from the mainstream political thought, they should be thought as of completely apart and not an extreme version of any mainstream party. It's hard to really to see what what this was all about, really. It's still not really certain why she sent it in the first place. It was sent days before she became a deputy PCC, and it was only taken down yesterday. I retweet things because I think they are funny, Mm. Uh, but if I retweet something that is completely against what I believe in, I will preface it, or afterwards say, by the way, I don't agree with that, I'm just pointing out how ridiculous that is. She had no statement like that she didn't then right she now does okay thank she you. did on the on, on her um on her profile her yep. biography if you like on on the twitter page uh it was saying that she was the deputy police and crime commissioner of hertfordshire uh, again as i say not at the time she did this particular one although there's been several but she's others. done more things hasn't well, she so just a couple of days ago there was another retweet using pretty colorful language Ian, swear words swear words yes that i i couldn't uh, i couldn't repeat on air about voting ukip uh that was just a retweet but she did it again about a week ago uh, write her own message uh, saying that gordon brown should resign so making these quite overtly political uh, statements the thing that we've heard from the start of this whole pcc thing is it's not political it's not a political position it's it's, it's not about politics yet she is obviously bringing politics in to this. Well, she's not alone in that. Um, uh, I called the Home Office yesterday, uh, who directed me to this guidance from the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners, and they say that all staff in the PCC's office are restricted from undertaking any form of political activity. The act the exception is the deputy PCC and those staff transferred from the old police authority. Now she wasn't on the uh, old police authority in the same way that she is now, uh, and and those terms can then be brought over. So if you're political beforehand, you can be political now, and you're allowed to be political in this role. However, an exercise of caution is is, mm. is recommended, certainly when making these sorts of uh, well, these sorts of statements, I guess. What have people told you about this? What have they been saying? Well, we've had a look on Twitter, and some people have been saying they're very shocked about it. Um, another user has been saying that by having your, said to Dr. Frosch, that by having your PCC role in your biography means your Twitter account cannot just be personal. Um, I spoke yesterday to Sharon Taylor, who's the leader of Stevenage Borough Council, a Labour uh, leader, and she's also a member of the Police and Crime Panel for Harvard. It's really important that um, the police commissioner and the deputy and other people associated with it do take that public role and and the role that the police have in protecting the whole community very seriously. And whether it's a degree of naivety around the power of social media, um, I do think this is something that, you know, it's very offensive to some people and, you know, we do have to uh, take that seriously and I hope Rachel will have learned her lesson from it. There is a police and crime panel later this week and I will be asking my colleagues on that panel to raise the issue at the panel. 
panel with the police commissioner. What's been the reaction of her boss, the police and crime commissioner, David Lloyd? Well, he's sent us a statement which I think reads as a pretty strong slap across the wrists, really. Uh, Commissioner David Lloyd said, I will not be rushing to judgement, but I am obviously concerned. I will be seeing Rachel to discuss the matter over the next couple of days. And then he says, telling me, it's not something I would have done. The Commissioner and Deputy Commissioner are public and high-profile roles. We must recognise that everything we do is open to scrutiny. Twitter's interesting. It's still kind of a, a slightly Wild West uh, um, uh, expanse on there, but rules are starting to take place. I know that we at the BBC have to be very careful about what we tweet. We can't endorse political parties. We can't make uh, overly aggressive statements. Uh, and uh, th- that rule is starting to apply to more and more public positions, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And it was, it's quite telling that Dr Frosch's profile has now changed. It's, it doesn't mention anything about her role as the Deputy mm. Commissioner uh, and instead says that retweets are not endorsements. Uh, these are my own views. That line doesn't work either. These are my own views, not the, the views of the people I work for. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We had a very interesting talk about this the other week, which you weren't there for. Uh, and if I were to say these, I think I does say on mine, these aren't the views of the BBC. doesn't mean anything. I'm well, a representative. I, I certainly think that Dr Frosch will be thinking twice before hitting that retweet button in future. Paul Scorings, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We're talking about high streets as well this morning. Uh, Should we accept that the high street is an old-fashioned concept? A long line of... a long street where there are lots of shops next to each other? It does sound a little bit old-fashioned, doesn't it? Most of my shopping is done online. Clothes and shoes, I will go to a shop, I will try them on, and I will buy them. Food shopping is quite often done online. Records, CDs and video games. Records, sorry. Music and DVDs are done online. Um, I've ordered some electrical goods recently. Done online. The thought of... And I do like the high street and I do try and support it as, 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 uh, when I can. But the, is it an old-fashioned concept? Should we accept that the high street is coming to its end. 08459 455 555. Or, on the converse, what do you do to help your high street? 08459 455 555. Travel news now, here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's actually me again. Oh, now. Sophie Tyler, you've you've, you've dared to, to to join us on the show. Good morning. I was actually here. I was actually oh, here but, in the office. But you had your what? Your head down the toilet. What was going on? Do you know, you're actually not far wrong. Oh, uh, good night, was it? Are you joking? I sat in my bedroom and felt ill all night. Oh. Didn't even have a pancake. Good. Did you have a boozy afternoon? What was going on? <laughs> no, oh, it wasn't booze. It wasn't booze related. Wowzers! No. There's a there's a f- well. Listen, yeah. well, thank you so much for for braving whatever it is that's bothering you. And let's get on with the travel, shall we, Sophie? Well, I can tell you that actually there's very little happening out there this morning. It all does seem to be moving fairly nicely on the sensors at the moment. M25 in particular, really not looking too bad at all. And uh, also the usual trouble areas around the A414, the A421, heading through Buckingham, but actually uh, not looking too bad at all either. Uh, trains not. Uh, moving too badly. Got some problems on the tubes once you hit central London, but nothing's going to be uh, affecting you too bad at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. You go and have a little lie down there, Sophie. You rest that delicate tummy of yours. You make sure you just have a nice glass of warm water. That'll settle it. Here's the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning, it's 6.30. The headlines campaigners say a new out-of-town shopping centre could be the death of Leighton Buzzard's High Street. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering the Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning will resume their deliberations this morning. And the Food Standards Agency has suspended meat production at an abattoir in Yorkshire and a processing plant in Wales amid suspicions that horse meat was being passed off as beef. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's start with football. MK Dons are now 10 points off the League One playoff positions after their nil-nil draw with Doncaster last night. Dons boss Carl Robinson thought his side gave a lacklustre performance. It wasn't acceptable. But they put, they've come to a team second in the league who needed a performance at home to stay there. So they, they put everything into the game as well. And we deserved all three points. And we didn't get them. Also in League One, Stevenage are 14th in the table after losing 2-0 at Brentford. But Gary Smith, the boss, remained positive about his side's performance. There's plenty to be and feeling good about. Pleased with a lot of performances and the way that they conducted themselves. Normally we see, you know, one or two of the guys step forward. We've, you know, we've been able to find the back of the net on most occasions. But tonight it was an area that let us down. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers lost 3-0 at home to Bradford City and in the conference, Luton are now six points off the playoffs after another away defeat last night. The Hatters lost 1-0 at Dartford, leaving boss Paul Buckled bemoaning missed opportunities. We had a lot of opportunity to deliver balls into the box. The delivery wasn't great at times. When you're playing with wingers, you, you know that the route to goal is crosses into the box and we didn't do that tonight. Manchester United play Real Madrid at the Bernabeu tonight in the first leg of their last 16 Champions League tie. The match sees Sir Alex Ferguson face Jose Mourinho for the first time since the Madrid manager left English football. However, Mourinho confirmed last night that he intends to return to the Premier League next season, but didn't reveal which club that might be. And finally, some of Team GB's Olympic heroes will receive honours at Buckingham Palace today. Among those being honoured is the gymnast Lewis Smith. Following his silver and bronze medals at the Games, he'll receive an MBE. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour, you may remember back in November, uh, we told you about a government office in Luton where tests for disability benefits are carried out. Okay, so you would imagine that several disabled people would be going in and out of this building. It's on the sixth floor of a building, and disabled people told us they wanted it moved. Well, the government has made a decision about whether it should be. I'll tell you what they said in the next few minutes. And have you ever had a call from a company out of the blue telling you there's something wrong with your computer, but don't worry, they can help. Just give them your passwords and stuff and they can access it remotely. Well, if it happened to you, could you give me a call? 08459 455555. Loads of people have fallen victim to that kind of scam. A former hacker will be on the programme to explain more about the techniques the scammers use. And the, the, the death of the high street. What have you done to save it? Go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. So far, the posters are kind of saying, well, it's tough really. Yes, I'd rather go to an out of town shopping park. Go on there, let us know what you think. Maybe we'll speak to you after this.
Duran Duran, isn't it? Well, it is. <clears throat> what else would you say after that? Now, you may remember, back in November, we told you uh, about a government office in Luton where tests for disability benefits are carried out. It's on the sixth floor of Crestor House in Alma Street. Uh, disabled people who use the office told us it's in the wrong place. Well, efforts to have it moved have failed. The government says that even though it's inaccessible in an emergency, it does comply with the Equality Act. Our reporter, Toby Friedner, went to the office to find out what disabled access is like and what disabled people should do if they're inside the building in an emergency. I'm standing outside Crestor House in Luton, which is where the Department of Work and Pensions have their office for work capability assessments. Now, at the front entrance to the building, there is a, a door suitable for people with wheelchairs. And then as you walk in, there are two lifts in front of you and then some stairs. But what happens to you in an emergency and the lift is out of order? I'm going to go in and try and find out. Going up. So I've just been inside and pressed the intercom for the uh, Atos office and um, the person I spoke to uh, when I asked about access for people with disabilities and uh, what to do in an emergency if you have a disability, they referred me to the Department for Work and Pensions press office but I didn't see any information on the wall either at the main entrance or upstairs when you get to the office that told people what to do. Well, Jermaine had to have an assessment there. He told Toby what he thought about the location of the office. It's like they haven't really thought about it. It's, it's, they haven't put no thought into it about the people with disability because they, that is for disability people and people who are disabled. But they've put no thought about it. They said, oh, let's put it on the sixth floor. And they've put it on the sixth floor. They should have put it on the ground floor, first floor. That's what they should have done. If there was an emergency and you were in that building <laughs> and so you couldn't use the lift to get back down again, how confident would you be that you could get out? <laughs> There's no confidence at all you might as well throw myself down the stairs that's probably the best thing for me because i'm not walking down them stairs quick quick enough even with my crutches my knees are still really bad and it's still putting pressure and pain and i'm not running downstairs or walking down there fast the best thing for me to do is throw myself down the stairs or somebody to carry me down there and i'm weigh i weigh 17 stone so i don't think anyone really could carry me down them stairs there six flights of stairs you know it's a bit too much. And even Andrew Salou, the Conservative MP for Dunstable and Private Secretary to Ian Duncan Smith at the Department for Work and Pensions, thinks the office is in the wrong place. It's not a brilliant uh, choice of location, is it, to assess um, people with uh, disabilities. Um, the Department for Work and Pensions does recognise that. And uh, anyone who um, would not be able to get down the stairs, should the lift not work, can either be assessed at home or go to some other location which they can get into. Having said that, it's clearly not a brilliant location. Why didn't they think of that in the first place? Well, I think that's where the Atos office uh, was. Uh, A DWP spokesperson has said, where an assessment centre isn't on the ground floor, we endeavour to make this clear to people before they arrive for their appointment. If people have mobility problems, which may make evacuation in the event of a fire difficult, a home visit or an appointment at an alternative assessment centre is arranged. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Shall we have a little look at the newspapers?
others and see what's happening? Yes, we shall. The Times. Horsemeat scandal. Raid on factories in Britain. Watchdog to investigate firm's customers list. Police and food standards inspectors raided a British abattoir and meat processing company yesterday on suspicion they were passing off horsemeat as beef. This is a development, isn't it? Not just Romania or Luxembourg or France. It's in Britain. The Peter Body Slaughterhouse in Todd Morden, West Yorkshire, one of only five British abattoirs licensed to kill horses, is alleged to have sent horse carcasses to farm box meat in Aberystwyth for processing as beef burgers and kebabs. Wow. And there's a picture of Cardinal Peter Turkson from Ghana who says, I'm ready to serve and the church is ready for a third world pope. Again, we, we talked about the, pope, the, 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 the uh, pontificate yesterday. I do like calling it that. Thank you, Rachel Lichtman, for that. Uh, pontificate. No one was bothered. No one was bothered. I don't think anyone's in... Even, even Catholics don't seem bothered by that story. But yet the papers keep putting it on. The Guardian. Back-to-work schemes broke law, court rules. Judges say DWP exceeded powers. This is the story where uh, a young lady was um, forced to work for free at Poundland, I think it was, or Poundstretcher, one of those places, uh, uh, for free. Otherwise, she would lose her um, uh, job seeker's allowance. She took them to court, took the, the government to court. She's won. Thousands of unemployed people could be entitled to financial rebates, totalling millions of pounds, after judges in the Court of Appeal declared that almost all of the government's work-for-your-benefit employment schemes were unlawful. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a picture of three young lads uh, tossing pancakes on the front of the newspaper there. The Independent. Anyone for a wallaby? Another day in the great meat meltdown. The meat industry's woes multiplied yesterday. Waitrose, Waitrose, you see, you think Waitrose is a classy shop. Waitrose withdrew its frozen beef meatballs after pork was found in them. A top scientist called for tests on lamb products and police raided the Todd Morden slaughterhouse of Peter Bob Body, who also farms wallabies, in connection with horsemeat in kebabs and burgers. And this story does just keep going on and on and on. Uh, the Daily Mail... Now it's British horse meat and burgers, and there's a picture of um, the, the, the princess lady holding her tummy. The Daily Express, no benefits for shirkers. Ministers, they, they've, they've taken their political standpoint, stance on this, haven't they? Ministers insist jobless work for handouts after court setback. Ministers rejected a controversial court ruling yesterday by insisting the jobless must still look for work if they want to receive state benefits. Well, you do have to look for work if you want to receive state benefits. No one's, no one's questioning that. It's the, the, the thing that has been found to be illegal, unlawful, was forcing people to work for free. Uh, and new palace outrage as Italian magazine prints pe pregnant Kate Beach photos. Uh, and the sum, uh, Tiffany from EastEnders is bankrupt and I ripped my baby from Jaws of Fox. The mum of a baby savaged by a fox told yesterday how she dragged him from the snarling beast's jaws. I have the uh, utmost sympathy for this story. Is it really front page story three days, four days after it happened? It seems, um, there seem to be bigger things in the world. Oh, wait, 459 455 555 645. The travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
starting to look a little bit busy at the moment on the A405 North Orbital Road. Heavy there approaching the M25 at Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else really not looking too bad actually. does seem to be moving nicely on the M25 itself. No problems on the M1 and uh, looking fairly good as well on the A1 heading south and the A10. Usually get a few problems there on the Great Cambridge Road. Not uh, causing too much of an issue though. Trains are looking good on the departure boards this morning. No major problems on the tubes. Uh, some problems a little bit more central to London, so nothing's going to be affecting you too badly at the moment. Uh, so that's the latest. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much. 6.46. It's Wednesday the 13th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners say a new out-of-town shopping centre could be the death of Leighton Buzzard's High Street. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering 19-year-old Rachel Manning in 2000 will resume their deliberations this morning. In sport, in rugby union, the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland says selecting too many English players for this summer's tour of Australia could put additional pressure on his squad. Coming up... Ever had a call from a company out of the blue telling you there's something wrong with your computer, but don't panic, they can help? Well, research shows more than 70% of people have actually fallen prey to phone scams like this in the past year. We'll find out more before seven, but now at 6.47, let's get the latest weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a chilly start to the day. Temperatures widely below freezing. It's also uh, fairly cloudy, but actually we've got a best chance at the moment of seeing a little bit of uh, brightness once the sun is up. And that's starting to happen across three counties at the moment. Uh, But as we go through the rest of the morning, it will gradually cloud over. And uh, with a wind picking up from a southeasterly direction, it's going to feel quite raw with temperatures not really getting much above freezing. And then we're going to have a weather front crossing through into this cold air. Now, what that's going to do is turn to some snow, of course. I think it will only just be some light flurries across our part of the world and it will be turning readily back to rain as we go through the night anyway, so we shouldn't have any disruption from this particular spell. But the first part of the night will be the coldest so anything falling is going to fall on that cold ground and there could be one or two icy patches first thing in the night at least but as we go through towards the early hours of the morning the temperature actually is going to be picking up but with that stronger winds and some heavy rain in the early hours of the morning as well and we might wake up to that first thing tomorrow it's continuing through the morning's rush hour but come the afternoon plenty of sunshine and temperatures up to eight nine or maybe ten degrees celsius so that's quite a turnaround isn't it as we go through friday some more sunshine and Temperatures again up to 8 degrees Celsius ahead of a generally dry weekend with temperatures just about where they should be at this time of year. That's your weather for now. Thank you, Wendy. Three Counties Sport. Join me, Jeff Doyle, and me, Luke Ashmeet. Monday nights from 6 will feature sports such as... Darts. I have a dartboard in my garage. When you go out to the hockey, yeah. how many would you score? 40. <laughs> On average. Yeah. I've never hit 180, though. I reckon if I gave up my job, packed everything in, yeah, go on. within five years, yeah. I could be competing with the professionals. Never. Absolutely no Five chance. years. <laughs> three Counties Sports. Monday nights from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I am Luke the Force Ashmead. No. <laughs> If you feel like 
from a company out of the blue saying there's something wrong with your computer but don't worry they can help <clears throat> i've had it and i told them to get knotted it's a scam of course it is they don't know if you've got a computer or not research shows that more than 70 percent of people have actually fallen prey to all kinds of phone scams in the past year it comes as a new campaign is being launched to increase awareness of scammers who are using landlines and increasingly mobile phones Someone who knows only too well how easy it is to dupe people is former hacker turned security consultant uh, Robert Schifrin. Morning, Robert. Good morning, Mr. Lee. What's well, thank you, sir. You can come back again. What's the most common uh, f- scam that people fall foul of? Um, nowadays, it is these telephone ones. Um, the scammers tend to know that if they send you an email, you won't click on the link, even however however much they dress it up. So they start to phone you now, and they say, um, "I'm from Microsoft." Um, we've had reports that your computer's got a virus and we think it's been spreading to other computers and, you know, I'm here to help and all you've got to do is install this software on your computer that I'm about to send you Mm. and pay me £145 and I can fix it. And what the software does, of course, is not scan for viruses. It opens up your computer to the scammers and they can now use it to send people email, they can use it as part of a botnet, they can steal all your passwords and so on. So they they, they are effectively... So you're paying them for the privilege of them... Taking over your computer? Absolutely, yes. But if you dress it up with a bit of um, sales pitch, if you dress it up with some psychology, it's all about psychology. It's all about what they know about you. The more they can say, I know about your computer, uh, in the same way that you get these PPI claims saying, mm. I know you had a car accident. They don't know you did at all. They're, they're trying it on. If I, you know, if I can phone somebody and say, hi, this is Ian Lee. I was at New Broadcasting House in London last Thursday and I left my phone behind the counter or something. Mm. Chances are I can then walk into Broadcasting House and pick up a phone they happen to have found. Hang on a second, that's giving me an excellent idea. No, it's not at all. How are they, so are they just going through the phone book then and just picking numbers at random until they strike gold? You can either pick numbers at random or you can say to yourself, maybe the older person is going to be a bit more um, inexperienced in mm. these things because they're new to the internet. So let's go on to a Facebook forum or something where older people tend to congregate mm. and start befriending people in that way or target children. There's plenty of places on the internet where, up, where, which are used by predominantly children or by predominantly older people, by predominantly foreign people, English people. Um, so you can, you can be pretty specific on who you want. You can ab- find them and then get in touch with them. Absolutely. No, or, or you could just buy yourself a mailing list. Um, every time you reply to a spam email, you, you end up on a database of people who respond to spam oh, emails no, really? and they get sold. 
I, I, I replied to a spam email the other day telling them to go away in no uncertain terms. I'm going to be uh, uh, targeted now, am I? The worst thing you can do to spam email is to reply, oh. even, to, even to say go away, because absolutely you're now on that database and they get sold for something stupid like about $100 per million. Wow. And these, you know, these are brilliant things. You can send out a million email ad- emails offering cheap pills that don't really exist. Yeah. Costs you nothing. It's a, brilliant, it's a brilliant business model. So we've got the, the, the phone scam of the people saying, oh, your computer's got a bug. Are there any other scams that we should be looking out for? Um, anything that doesn't sound quite right on the internet, whether it's somebody sending you an email link or whatever. If I sent you an email link and said, um, you don't know me, but click on this link and you'll get a virus, chances are you won't click on it. Yes. If I send you an email and say, um, you know, these are, these are some holiday pictures, again, you might not click on it. If I send you an email that says, thank you very much for subscribing to our pornographic mailing list for just twenty nine ninety five a month, if you think there's been a mistake, please click here. Ah, yes. Yes, it's, it was... all about, it's all about psychology. These phone scams in particular, what, what can we do about them? Generally speaking, um, don't believe somebody. If they say, I'm from Microsoft and I know but about they your they sound PC. so convincing on the phone. The emails, you look at it, you go, oh, all right, yeah, I can, jog on, fellow, you're not some prince. But the, on the phone, they can sound so convincing. The trouble with the IT security industry in general is it's a very reactive thing. Every time we come up with a fix for something, every time the, the security companies say, oh, we fixed that, your computer's safe from that, the scammers and the hackers and the computer criminals will find another way around it. And if they can't, they'll go to a completely separate technique i.e. phoning you or using your mobile or sending you texts and it's very difficult to do anything about do you have any tricks robert if if they call you one of of the things i like to i like to play with these people i have far too much time on my hands so if they phone up i say oh yes sorry can can i just put you on hold for a second and then i put the phone down and i carry on watching coronation street yes you can do that or you can say sorry i can't talk at this moment but yes i'm very interested in this product let me take your number and call you back because generally speaking they withhold their number when they call yeah um so the first thing you do is you get a phone number off them that way use a bit of psychology yes i'm very interested i'm going to buy this thing but give me 10 minutes and i'll call you back yeah and they give you your phone number and they give you their phone number and you say well who should i speak to and you say so and so and you say all right i've got your phone number i've got your name thank you very much i, I should be passing your details on to the local police mr Sh- mr Schiffering, thank you so much fascinating robert Schiffering there a security consultant it's fascinating isn't it really what do you do you get these PIP calls, you get these insurance calls, you get these, um, uh, th- th- you had an accident, I believe, you, you get these, these phone scams. Do you do anything about them? Well, there, there are some letters that have been published in the papers this morning that offer advice for people who get unwanted phone calls. One su- uh, suggests asking the caller for a password. I once annoyed my bank. They phoned me up and asked me for my password. I said, I'm not telling you. Well, we can't verify your account. I said, well, you've called me. I'm not telling you my password. Uh, what, what another recommends answering in Welsh. What's your secret? Have you got a little tip? I, I say, can I put you on hold? And I just put the phone down and watch the telly or go and feed the kids. What do you do when you get these unwanted callers? 08459 455 555. Here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, looking heavy around Junction 20 at Kings Langley at the moment. The A405 at North Orbital Road also looking very slow, approaching the M25 at Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else not actually looking too bad at the moment. Does seem to be coping fairly well out there. The rest of the motorways looking good on the sensors, and the trains are moving to time actually on the uh, local live departure boards at the moment. Tube's not having too much of a problem. Looking a little bit slow though once you hit central London, but nothing that'll be affecting you too 
badly at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. There we go, it's the first hour out of the way. Coming up after seven, more about the high street. What do you do to protect your high street? Or do you think that actually the high street's dead? It's finished. There's nothing we can do. Here's the news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, concerns retail park plans could kill Leighton Buzzard's high street. California manhunt ends in shootout and deputy commissioner in hot water over Nazi tweet. BBC Three Counties Radio. Councillors are being warned the future of Leighton Buzzard High Street lies in their hands today as they decide whether to approve plans for an out-of-town retail park. Campaigners claim allowing developers to go ahead with the Grovebury Road project could kill t- uh, trade in the town. Tom Shattock owns a high street furniture shop. It would take away footfall from the high street which if you do that then you will have a decline in your high street as you have had in Dunstable. We would anticipate to have something like 20 to 40 percent at the worst scenario of empty premises if this retail park goes ahead. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering Milton Keynes' teenager in December 2000 will resume their deliberations this morning at Luton Crown Court. 41-year-old Shahidul Ahmed denies murdering 19-year-old Rachel Manning. The hunt for a former Los Angeles police officer suspected of at least three murders has ended with a shootout and a fire at a remote mountain cabin near Big Bear Lake in California. Two deputies from the local sheriff's department were shot and one has died of his injuries. Later, a single shot was heard from within the cabin which had been set on. On fire. Disability tests will continue to be carried out at the Luton building at the centre of an accessibility row. The government has ruled that Cresta House complies with the Equality Act, even though people are being warned the sixth floor assessment centre is unsuitable for those with limited mobility, as there's no emergency escape provision for them. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned by a comment posted on Twitter by a senior member of his team. Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner Dr Rachel Frosch, a Conservative, retweeted a comment likening socialists to Nazis. Sharon Taylor, the Labour leader of Stevenage Borough Council and Police and Crime Panel member, said Dr Frosch should be aware of the perils of social media. It's really important that um, the Police Commissioner and the Deputy and other people associated with it do take that public role and and the role that the police have in protecting the whole community very seriously. And whether it's a degree of naivety around the power of social media, you know, we do have to uh, take that seriously. And I hope Rachel will have learned her lesson from it. More than 70% of us have fallen prey to phone scams over the past year. That's the conclusion of new research by Microsoft, who found people were more likely to be taken in by someone they actually spoke to rather than an email. The software giant is warning people to be suspicious of anyone who asks for sensitive information, like bank details or personal details, over the phone, however plausible their story may seem. In rugby union, the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland says selecting too many English players for this summer's tour of Australia could put additional pressure on his squad. Gatland fears a large English contingent could lead to a much greater media focus on the site. Finally, weather and frosty this morning with a chance of some light sleet or snow as the day goes on. Top temperature today, 3 degrees Celsius, that's 37 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven on Wednesday the 13th of February. Lots coming up in the next hour. I'll give you the contact details. 
because I'd really like to get your opinions on some of these stories. But let me tell you what we're talking about and see if any of this grabs your fancy. A new shopping centre for Leighton Buzzard could destroy the town's traditional high street, according to campaigners. What do you do to support your local high street? Or do you think... It's too late. The high street is dead. 08459 455 555. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he's concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. You can follow us on Twitter, at BBC3CR. And when you get a call out of the blue, and you know it's a scam, what do you do to get rid of the scammers? Put them on hold? Tell them it's not you? Apparently 70% of people have actually fallen prey to phone scams in the past year. All the lines are free, so now's a good time to call 08459 455 555 or go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's claimed a new shopping centre for Leighton Buzzard could destroy the town's traditional high street. Campaigners fear an out-of-town retail park in Grovebury Road will pull shoppers away from the heart of the town and force traders to close. Councillors decide whether to approve the plans today. Jane Killick reports. This is Leighton Buzzard, a traditional market town with lots of small shops and market stalls and very busy. It's this that's under threat, according to campaigners, if an out-of-town retail park gets the go-ahead. Gennaro Borelli owns a touch of class hair and beauty on the high street and sees a bleak future if out-of-town shopping centres are allowed to be built in Leighton Buzzard. You would probably see a chain reaction started where a number of businesses, particularly the ones that would be in direct competition with the kind of stalls they're they're thinking of um, opening up on the retail parks, they would start to close and then as you start to have three, four, half a dozen shops begin to close, it's then a, a downward spiral. Fellow shop owner Ian Dillamore of Dillamore's Furnishers agrees. His family business has been in Leighton Buzzard for 90 years and says a retail park isn't necessary. I think it will kill the high street and is not offering anything that we don't already have here. So I think the reason there's empty units at the moment is due to the climate and If you go around the close proximity to the retail parks, Dunstable, Milton Keynes, and there's shops shut and big units shut there. So I know for a fact from my business, in the furniture business, there's a lot of big shops that are looking to close shops down rather than open them up. So I'm a little surprised that new ones want to come into this area anyway. I also think the location's wrong. There are two applications being heard by Central Bedfordshire Council today. Two separate developers are planning retail parks right next to each other in Grovebury Road, where there are already a lot of industrial units. This woman out shopping in Leighton Buzzard says it's definitely a good idea. Yep, we need one, because Leighton's rubbish. <laughs> There's not a lot of shops compared to like Milton Keynes and Bletchley and places like that. So it would be better, definitely like a Primark and things like that. Other shoppers, while interested in more shops, were also worried about its effect on the heart of Leighton Buzzard. Our high street is, seems to be diminishing all the time. You know, I noticed today a, a, a what I might call a posh dress shop has, seems to have shut down overnight. Yeah. They can't compete out of town obviously bring a lot of people in and trade um, but also I think you need to spend money on Leighton Buzzard Town Centre itself. Great to have a Marks and Spencers or you know some bigger department store 
type it's just lacking a little bit and it's a shame I mean the charity shops are great but it's a shame that a lot of them are charity shops I think you know I can see both sides of it. I'd like to hear more about the proposed development behind the high street here which was mooted a couple of years ago and nothing else seems to have happened which could possibly um, provide more of the best of both worlds by bringing bigger stores in closer to the town centre but we we do need still to boost the high street and make sure that survives. Councillors decide whether to allow the retail parks to be built at a meeting today. So are out-of-town shopping centres such a bad thing? Richard Dodd is from the British Retail Consortium. Morning, Richard. Morning. Uh, Are out-of-town shopping centres to blame for destroying the high streets in in Britain? Um... No, uh, I'll come to that in just a second. But I mean, retail investment, new retail investments are a good thing because they're a, a vote of confidence in the economic health of the area and they, uh, they contribute jobs and, uh, and services extra choice to customers. We do have a principle in our planning system, which is town centre first, which means that new retail developments ought to be in or very near to town centres as a first priority but given that we have that and that you know that's that's quite right because we should be supporting our town centres in that way and making them the focus for retail but it's not it's not in this instance in Leighton Buzzard is it it's I'm saying that, you know we, it's right that we have that principle but yes. it shouldn't preclude the possibility of developments elsewhere where there aren't suitable sites in town centres right back to the question are out of town shopping centres partly to blame for destroying town centres in Britain no no lots of our high streets are in trouble that's absolutely right uh, these don't like, help do they something like one in ten of our high street stores is standing empty at the moment the real issues there are about costs of doing business business rates for example just seen this latest issue today with uh, republic and clearly business rates and other property costs have been a big factor there when it comes to trading in town centers but things like parking town... and access and things like whether you've invested these... in in making those these... town centers attractive places that people want to go yeah to. these out-of-town shopping centers though they do draw traffic away from the high street don't they well, they tend to have a different sort of retailer on them, and that's as somebody was just saying, that it tends to be things like f- furniture, electricals, those big items that are sold by the destination shops that you go to less often than you go to a high street, which tends to be more of a browse around and part of a general leisure activity. So they're, they're not straight competition. And I do think that when we focus on high streets, and absolutely right that we should because they're tremendously important at the heart of our communities there, when we focus on high streets we ought to be looking at how we positively deal with those issues that I've just talked about rather than saying the solution somehow is to curtail other sorts of retail. Well, but you, you yourself have said that your, your initial aim is always to try and build something near the high street. So you, you must be aware that by moving, by building away from the high street, you are detracting from that high street. You are taking business away. You are causing damage otherwise well, that wouldn't be the initial the, the initial choice making town centers the focus for for retailing business life for their communities that is uh, that's the, that's the prime aim and that's absolutely right but as i said uh, there, there are often you know town centers are usually crowded places and the, the the options for retail development are usually limited and the sites can often be very small sometimes unsuitable sometimes uh, inaccessible um so the when those sites are not available in town centres, then that shouldn't mean that you don't do any developments anywhere else ever. Because, of course, uh, what you will do, if you, you know, if you say no to it near to Leighton Buzzard, and this is only a mile away from the town centre, I, I believe, then, of course, these sorts of stores will open elsewhere, and that will give people reasons to drive further away, and they'll be that much less likely to go to Leighton Buzzard. So, you know, bad news all round. Do you think that the people who want to preserve old market towns like Leighton Buzzard, that they're living in the past and that we, we should move on no absolutely not uh as i say definitely right that our, many of our town centers are in are in trouble at the moment but still 
43% of all retail spending happens in high streets, so they're a very important part of the overall retail mix and responsible for a very significant part of overall retailing. What we need to do is to recognise that they can evolve and develop and, and have a successful future, but we can't just assume that's going to happen of its own accord. We need to actively intervene. And you know, things like the Mary Porter's initiatives are involved in uh, helping that. But the one really big thing that we'd like the Chancellor to do immediately to assist with this is to freeze business rates when he does his budget on March the 20th, uh, rather than imposing what will actually be a third successive huge increase in business rates in April, because that's the that's the current plan. These out-of-town shopping centres, they are quite soulless, aren't they? They're, they're, they're big, expansive places. With the, they've got the same old the DFS, you've got your next, you've got <laughs> all these big, soulless brands. The high street has character and has life and is as vim and vigour, doesn't it? Customers, it's customers who have all of the power in retailing. So, of course, when retailers are are building their stores and uh, deciding on what to stock in them and how they're going to look and so on, uh, they are focused on customers and what they're going to want. And it's quite right that customers have got a choice of these, but they're soulless, these warehouses they, on retail parks, they've yeah. got shopping malls, they've got traditional soulless, high streets. They? And, and, and they, they will make their Hello? choice. And there's no question Hello? that a, you know, a lot of customers Hello? like what happens on those retail Hello? parks. Lots of customers like what yes. happens in high streets. And, and they should have the maximum choice and be free to make that choice. But they're soulless, aren't they? They're big concrete expanses that have, no, that have no personality in them. They could be anywhere in the world. And clearly lots of customers like what happens on retail parks and lots like what happens on high yeah. streets. Yeah. And, you know, so, so there may be customers who agree with you, um, yeah. but they weigh that in the balance against the other factors that decide where they shop. And, you know, so, some of them decide that retail parks are the right place for some of the products that they want to get. But Richard, we have to end it there. I, 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 I saw a gap and I went for it. Richard Dodd, uh, always good, uh, good sport talking to you. Thank you very much. Richard Dodd from the British Retail Consortium. Uh, the Claymore Group, who've put in one of the planning applications, says we have consulted widely on this scheme and listened to the views of local residents and councillors. Uh, this development will provide a number of community benefits, including the creation of up to 100 jobs. So what do you think there? I, I, I can see both sides of the argument. I really can. I was in Windsor High Street yesterday. Oh, it was fantastic. The colour, the noise, the smells, the personality, the castle, the, the history. It was wonderful. One, you won't get that on, on a trading estate or on a, the, an out-of-town shopping centre. What do you think? The out-of-town shopping centres, they've got all the big stores. They've got everything you need in one place. It might be soulless, but it's convenient, it's handy. You know where everything is. Do you support your local high street? If so, what do you do? Do you shop there all the time, every week? Or do you think, you know, the, we need to move on? The high street is... it's a little bit 20th century. It's over. It's dead. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Do you support your local high street or do you think the high street is dead? Right, 714, travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Heading south on the M1, looking slow at the moment between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, also slow between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And very slow between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. North Orbital Road, that's the A405, also looking slow, approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at the moment. Trains are moving nicely and the tubes also looking fairly good at the moment as well. Sophie Tyler, BBC. Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning at 7.15. It's Wednesday the 13th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Councillors are being warned the future of Leighton Buzzard High Street lies in their hands today as they decide whether to approve plans for an out-of-town retail park. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning will resume their deliberations this morning at Luton Crown Court. In sport, Real Madrid boss Jose Mourinho says he intends to return to manage in the Premier League next season but hasn't specified which club he's likely to be joining. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Frosty this morning with the chance of light sleet or snow later. Top temperature is three degrees. Coming up, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he's concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. Before 7.30, I'll be speaking to former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police to see what he makes of it. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Valentine's Day, BBC Three Counties Radio is broadcasting live for 24 hours. We'll be broadcasting live from your town, your city, your village. I'm here in Kings Langley. I'm here in Leighton Buzzard. Live in the centre of Aylesbury. We're putting together a very special 24 hours in the life of beds, hearts and bucks. We'll be all over the three counties covering the stories that matter to you. Wellingarden City has a new look library. 66 stores will be closing, including those in Luton, Watford and St Albans. Officials in Bedford say they're extremely pleased. 24 hours in beds, hearts and bucks. Starts Valentine's Day morning at 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Or you can text, as Daz has done, and Jervain, 81333, start your text 3CR, put your name on. Otherwise, I'm not going to read it out. That's a little rule I have here. Makes it a bit more personable. Uh, Dad says, the high, streets, n- uh, high street needs protecting. I believe internet needs more tax to level playing fields. Same with supermarket alcohol, but lower taxes on high street and pubs. And Gervain says, yesterday as I drove to Hatfield, I noticed a new shop. A Polish supermarket. A Polski sklep. So now we have two Chinese restaurants, a Caribbean, two Indian supermarkets, a dozen charity shops, a sprinkling of pound shops. No, I don't go there because there's nothing there for me anymore. On Facebook, Chris says, I'd rather go to uh, Centre Milton Keynes, uh, Centre MK, than any of the high streets in MK. I used to go to Bletchley High Street, but only for blockbusters. And that got shut down. And since then, I haven't stepped foot there. And Steve says, all town centres have to do is have free parking. I won't risk paying for parking to get something in town and then find it's out of stock. Buy online. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, we've been talking about these computer scams. A survey has come out and shown that more and more people are phoning, uh, uh, falling for not just computer scams, but phone scams as well. When someone phones up and says, oh, yeah, no, there's a problem. They don't say it like that. They'll be a little bit more convincing than starting going, oh, yeah, no. Yes, we're from Microsoft and we believe that you are having a problem with your computer. If you pay us £150 to download this software, we can access your computer and, and sort it out for you. 
All these different scams from the police, from the inla- inland revenue, all these different things. Philip's in Bletchley. Morning, Philip. Morning, Ian. Have, have you fallen for any of these phone scams? Oh, yes. Well, almost. I was almost there giving them my account number one afternoon. Uh, just before Christmas, I was driving along and a phone call from so-called Inland Revenue. Oh, yes. And what did they say? said, um, Mr. So-and-so, we've been in touch with the office. They've asked me to phone you. Um, just to let you know, you've got a rebate of £198 Ooh. for your tax. Oh. Last year, we need to pay it in. I said, oh, great, you know, because I skint at the time, you know, leading up to Christmas. And they said, if we could just take your name and address, which I did. Yeah. Um, can we um, just take your bank details? And of course, that's when the alarm uh, bells ring because uh, they've got it all anyway. Yeah, because that—that's uh, so, so clever. From? That's so clever because uh, it's saying it's a rebate and 198 quid. That's believable, isn't it? Just under 200 quid, and there, there is that. I don't know why. Someone was telling me there is that way that they do it. It's just under the 200 pound. I don't know what it what it, what it involves, but very briefly, and I mean, I phoned it straight back, and it was an inter- international ringing tone. Right, right. You were lucky. You were lucky. Yeah, very, very lucky. Again, very quickly, last night we had three calls at home. I'm ex-directory from a PPI company. Um, I recognise the number straight away, and that's the same. If you try phoning it, it's permanently engaged, so you can't complain, you can't do anything about it. You just have to sit and put up with it. And do you have have anything, a a trick to deal with them, Philip? I I ask them to go on hold. Yeah, I normally say, um, I, I pretend I'm very old, and I say, um, <laughs> w- w- yes, um, if you could just, which one do you want, senior or junior? <laughs> and they say, well, can we have, I say, right, I'll go and get him, he's in the potty shed, I shan't be long. <laughs> of course, I go off and watch television or something, and then come back about a quarter of an hour later, and one bloke was still there. Uh, Philip, can, can we he's hear you? He was we... getting really wild, I said, Who? He said, Mr. Sa- oh, I said, he's in the potting shed. I won't be a minute. I'll go again. And I do that all the time. Philip, can I hear and your just... old man voice one more time, please? Uh, yes, I won't be a minute. He's in the potting shed. <laughs> oh, Philip in Bletchley, thank you. What a wonderful old man voice he does. He's very posh. Very posh. What tricks do you use when you get these, these, these phone scammers, these muppets on the phone trying to trick you? That's a clever scam. We're from the Inland Revenue. You've got a rebate. £198. Because you could believe that, couldn't you? You could believe £5,000. You'd start going, well, hang on a second. Just under 200 quid. Yes, I think I could believe that. Barbara's in Dunstable. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Have you, have you had any of these scam calls? <coughs> Wait a bit. I'm a bit croaky yet. Do you want to have a big cough? <coughs> Beautiful. Right, that's, that's it. it. That's that's it. Get it all out. It cough it up. Could be a gold watch. <laughs> that's my mum used to say. That's about as existent as these phone calls are going to be. Um, yes, I get them about my computer. Oh, yes. Um, so I say yes, and what, what exactly is the problem? Well, would you go and switch on, and we'll talk you through it. So I said, well, I said, unfortunately, I said, I live in a big house, and it's two floors up to my study. I said, you'll just have to hang on. So then I disappear and make a cup of tea, and fiddle around and do what I have to do and then by the time I come back they've usually gone. Uh, What computer do you have Barbara? What make of computer? I don't have one. You haven't even got one? No. So these Muppets are uh, 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 phoning up and they are chances aren't they? Well the thing is that I also get a lot of calls about doing a survey and I always just say I'm sorry I don't do surveys over the phone so goodbye thank you very much. Uh, but the other day, I, my curiosity got the better of me. Yes. So I said to them that um, 
I gave them a few details which were, you know, not of any any legal status or yes. anything that could cause trouble. They wanted to know if I had double glazing, did I yeah. own my house, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And then they said, oh, well, thank you very much for your time. Um, be, oh, before they started, they said, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll send you a cheque for £20 oh. for, for doing this survey. I said, oh, that's very nice. Lovely. Thank you very much. And um, But then, when I he, in order to send me this £20, they needed my card number. Oh, right, yes, See? of course they would do, wouldn't they, to send yes, you a cheque, yes. Because he said, you have to pay us a pound oh. in order to get this money. Oh, right. So I, I said, I'm, I'm not happy about that. Oh, there's no problem about it at all. He said, because I'm not going to ask you for your security number. No. I said, well, even so, I said, I'm not prepared to give you my number. I said, in that case, I said, why don't you just, if I've got to pay you a pound to start the ball rolling, why don't you send me just 19 pounds? Barbara, you're, you're a genius. We have to end it there because we have to move on. But well done you, Barbara. You see, they're not going to get anything over her in Dunstable. Very sneaky. 08459 455 555. Now, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. The Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner shared a tweet likening socialists with Nazis. Dr Rachel Frosch, a Conservative, retweeted or published a post from another user featuring a quote from Adolf Hitler. Well, she has declined an interview with us this morning. But Peter uh, Nehrud is the former Chief Const- uh, Constable of uh, Thames Valley Police. He's now resident scholar at the Jerry Lee Centre for Experimental Criminology at Cambridge University and a member of the, uh, member of the Labour Party. Morning, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Y- you've seen these tweets. Is it the sort of thing you'd expect from a, a Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner? Uh, no, I mean, I'd, in short, no. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of police officers who've got themselves into hot water using Twitter uh, and thinking that somehow or other you were you you, you absolved yourself of responsibility by pressing the retweet button. Mm. Uh, but I think Rachel Frosch has discovered that the retweet button means to, that at least to some extent you're seen as endorsing what's in the message, and the one the one which includes the picture of uh, of Adolf Hitler is is a pretty offensive tweet. Uh, and, and really rather unwise. Now, we've mentioned you're a Labour supporter, and I, the, the reason yeah. I mention that is because the, the, the whole PCC things, uh, when it was sold to me, was that the PCCs and their deputies wouldn't be allowed to be political in their comment, comments. Is, is, is that the right way it should be? Well, that, that, that's not strictly speaking correct. Okay. I mean, I, because the deputy uh, appointment, for example, is, is an appointment that's outside the kind of normal rules of appointment in in public service. It's a political appointment, and... So, so, and like the, the PCC, who is elected politically, they're both political appointments. But that doesn't absolve them from wisdom in the public space. After all, they're now in charge of policing. They've got a, they've got a title which indicates they're in charge of policing. Mm. And they need to behave in a different way in this space, because what they say does colour or will colour people's views about what the police are about. And let's face it. It's, it's not exactly great for the for, for a policing and crime commissioner to be associated with comments about Nazis. Well, you're right. It, 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 I, I imagine that people would look at this, see who it is from and what her position is, and assume that, that, that therefore, is the view of the police itself. Well, there is that danger, and I certainly think that because the title is police and crime commissioner, and the, you know, norm, up to now, when we had police commissioners, uh, they were they were members of the Metropolitan Police Senior Command. People are slightly confused about the titles, but but be that as it may, 
the, the, the most important thing is, is get a grip of the Twitter button. I mean, Twitter's a very useful form of social media. Mm. It's very useful for get, getting messages across. You use this extremely well as a, as a, as a radio channel and getting, getting out where your, your content, etc. And PCCs have got to get serious about a strategy for communication, which is about raising public awareness, not, not, not twittering, uh, twittering uh, you know, over, over, over a, glass, a glass of wine. Are the police themselves worried about the politicisation of the force? Yes, I think is the short answer. I mean, there haven't been too many uh, really troublesome episodes so far. One or two, one or two clashes, but I think there are there are some concerns. Um, there are some concerns about you know when the relationships break down. Uh, there are some concerns about some key decisions, such as opening and closing police stations, which, given the, the pressures on budgets. If those can't be made on an objective basis and are being made solely on the basis of political advantage, that could be difficult, and I'm aware of one or two examples of that. Uh, and there are big decisions over the next two years, three years coming up about exactly where resources are put and where they aren't put, given that um, you know, we've still got major cuts to come. Peter, if I can just go off on ever such a slight tangent, I'm fascinated by your title, Resident Scholar at the Jerry yeah. Lee Centre for Experimental Criminology. What, yeah. What's happening in the world of experimental criminology? Well, I'm running an experiment in, uh, in Birmingham, which is an experiment about whether prosecution of, of low-risk offenders works better or not than cautioning them, for example. So what we're trying to do is to do the type of experiments you do in medical science, but do them in the world of policing and criminal justice where they've been more difficult to apply in the past mm. but it is about time that we knew whether things worked whether police officers <laughs> patrolling it would help wouldn't it big yeah it would help hugely fascinating Listen, I, we have to end it there i could talk to you all morning about that i saw that title last night and i thought that now that is interesting experimental criminology at cambridge university peter nerud uh, former chief constable of thames valley police thank you very much uh, indeed 08459 455 555 is the phone number. He makes a good point. It would be interesting to know. We should know, shouldn't we, whether these things work or not. Uh, you can also get in touch on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. For now, it's coming up to 7.29. Let's get the travel news with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the A41 through Watford Way, it is closed with queuing traffic following a serious accident. It's happened just at the Five Ways corner and congestion is back to the Barnet Bypass at the moment. Also towards Mill Hill Circus and Barnet Bypass and Stirling Corner looking very, very slow. It's going to take you around an hour to get through that stretch at the moment and it is affecting the A1 heading north at Junction 2 at Five Ways corner of course as well. Now the A10 at Great Cambridge Road also looking slow this morning between Church Lane and Winston Churchill Way and uh, the A405 at North Auto Road also looking a little bit tricky just approaching the Shell Roundabout heading through Chisel Green and on the M25 anti-clockwise looking slow at the moment between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley and very slow between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Trains not looking too bad at all this morning. Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Sophie. 7.30 time for the news and sport. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs Talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's 7.30. The headlines, councillors are being warned the future of Leighton Buzzard High Street lies in their hands today as they decide whether to approve plans for an out-of-town retail park. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning will resume their deliberations this morning at Luton Crown Court. And the hunt for a former Los Angeles police officer suspected of at least three murders has ended with a shootout and fire at a remote mountain cabin near Big Bear Lake in California. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Last night, League One side MK Dons drew nil-nil against Doncaster at the Keep Moat Stadium and are now ten points off the League One playoff positions. Dons boss Carl Robinson was frustrated by the refereeing decisions. The referee was appalling. The fourth official said to me, it's a clear booking, but he doesn't want my help. That's exactly what he said to me. He wants to referee the game on his own today. I said, well, he got both in a big and shed his leg. Arguably, it could have been a red. And then we're bearing down on goal and he just clips him. Also in League One, Stevenage are 14th in the table after losing 2-0 against Brentford at Griffin Park. Borough boss Gary Smith praised the efforts of Steve Bellick. I thought he was a great inclusion into the game. As well as I've seen him play, probably, he looked bright and purposeful. His techniques were good on a difficult surface. You know, both himself and Sam have been good, good inclusions for us and additions. You know, a bit of rotation in there to keep it fresh. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers lost 3-0 at home to Bradford City and Luton are now six points off the conference playoffs after another away defeat last night. The Hatters lost 1-0 at Dartford. Boss Paul Buckle admits promotion hopes are fading. You know, I've come to the club to try and change things around and to try and get us out. What I would say is that, you know, we're still in it. Of course, we are disappointed with the result tonight. But at the same time, you know, we're in a tough division. Finally, the Real Madrid boss Jose Mourinho says he intends to return to manage in the Premier League next season but hasn't specified which club he's likely to be joining. Mourinho was speaking ahead of tonight's first leg last 16 tie Champions League tie against Manchester United in Spain. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio, 7.32. It's Wednesday, the 13th of February. Uh, Lots of things to talk about before now and 8 o'clock, including coming up in a few minutes. You may remember, back in November, we told you about a government office in Luton where tests for disability benefits are carried out. That's the key phrase, tests for disability benefits. Well, it's on the sixth floor of the building. Disabled people told us they wanted it moved. The government has made a decision. We'll let you know what that is shortly. And when you get a call out of the blue, do you know it's a scam? What do you do to get rid of scammers? Philip in Bletchley pretends he's an old man. His voice didn't sound that much different, to be honest, <laughs> but it was very good. I put them on hold. What tricks do you have when you get phone scammers? 08459 455 555. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, back in November, we told you about a government office in Luton where tests for disability benefits are carried out. It's on the sixth floor of Crester House in Alma Street. Disabled people who use the office told us it's in the wrong place. Well, efforts to have it moved have... That's right, failed. The government says that even though it's inaccessible in an emergency, it does comply with the Equality Act. Well, Jermaine had to have an assessment there. He told our reporter Toby Friedner what he thought about the location of the office. It's like they haven't really thought about it. They haven't put no thought into it about the people with disability because that is for disability people and people who are disabled. But they've put no thought about it. They said, oh, let's put it on the sixth floor. And they've put it on the sixth floor. They should have put it on the ground floor, first floor. That's what they should have done. If there was an emergency, emergency and you were in that building and so you couldn't use the lift to get back down again how confident would you be that you could get out <laughs> there's no confidence at all you might as well throw myself down the stairs 
that's the, probably the best thing for me because I'm not wa- walking down them stairs quick, quick enough even with my crutches my knees are still really bad and it's still putting pressure and pain and I'm not running downstairs or walking down there fast the best thing for me to do is throw myself down the stairs or somebody to carry me down there and I'm weigh, I weigh 17 stone so I don't think anyone really could carry me down them stairs there six flights of stairs you know it's a bit too much uh, it's Jermaine talking to our reporter Toby Friedner. Well, Mick Dillon runs the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstable. Mick, you offered to have the office there, didn't you? Yeah, good morning, Ian. Um, it's going back now uh, quite a few years when it first started. Uh, 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 a woman lived across the road and was being sent... Uh, from uh, Luton into uh, Milton Keynes mm. and we said to Atos at the time she can come across the road free of charge just to be uh, assessed uh, and they looked that gift horse in the mouth it didn't happen um, and then for the last 18 months at least it's been a story that's just rumbled and you just can't make it up What were they thinking putting a, a centre where the people who will have walking problems or are in wheelchairs putting it on the sixth floor? Well, that's the question, and Atos blamed DWP and uh, and vice versa, and it's just a beautiful relationship that clearly will just continue now. Um, It's just not fit for purpose. It it defies belief. And some things you can make up in life, but this you just cannot. And, you know, the the letter that we had belatedly (coughs) from DWP through our local MP uh, actually said if they were doing it again today, they wouldn't do the same thing. So So they know it's wrong. They recognise that it's wrong, and yet what they're saying is under the equality duty, The alternative provision is a home visit, which is, you know, you're being judged and being judged in your own home. Mm. A lot of people don't want that. Or you can go to Milton Keynes or Cambridge by taxi. What is your reaction to the the government's decision not to move this office? Well, of course, looking uh, at some of the the correspondence and and thinking of uh, outdoor language that you would refer to. Yes. Keep it clean, please. It's so frustrating that, you know common sense should prevail and it's not just about whether it's at the resource centre it should be on a ground floor accommodation anywhere in in the south of the county so people can have a short journey Mm. during a very stressful process where they're being judged and if you look at the panorama program just a few weeks ago which was very traumatic and and oh you're all scroungers you're all work shy scroungers you lot in other words as well we can't repeat um but even if there's a modicum of truth in some of that and it's only one-sided i understand that you know that it's a a really difficult process for people uh, and you've got to put the human element into this because it's a judgment Mm. uh, and people's livelihoods futures and, and, and careers are at stake and I just think that there's just no human angle of understanding that disability is so broad and diverse. The needs of disabled people, I mean, Cresta House, you can't even reach the button to push to alert the outside door. So, you know, just start looking I'm at it in detail. It's so ridiculous. Well, as an architect, I know that, you know, detail yeah. makes the difference, you know, and if you. You should design for people's needs. Uh, and the, the laws are very clear, mm. design guys are very clear, and yet these are old buildings which aren't fit for purpose. OK, there are some people who will say, listen, we are making cuts everywhere, we're having to save money. There isn't the money to move. If, if, if people can be assessed in their homes or, or, you know, or it can be done elsewhere, then why should money be spent to move this facility? Well, you can't get much cheaper than free of charge. That's where the journey started. Mm. And, you know, you have to realise that the... the the process already costs millions and millions that we, none of us, could even imagine. You know, that the, the Atos and Capita contracts going forward are multi, multi-million pounds. Whether the tail wags dog, there's a real issue about that. D- Department of Work and Pension civil servants are, are the common denominator. No matter what government is in power, it's always the same civil servants. Mm. And there's a clue there, I think, that some of these contracts are so old, these buildings have been used for a long time. And you would think that people just might see that the penny's dropped and there's something wrong. 
Will this have an effect on how quickly assessments are processed, do you think? Well, of course, one of the reasons that this is always coming back into the media is the fact that Luton is accountable for a high proportion of backlogs because the building's not fit for purpose, that it means that people are having to be reappointed uh, re so people can turn up and actually be turned away. Are people being warned? We've heard that people are warned to, to flag up any issues they may have to, to be in advance. Is that happening? Potentially. It's not consistent. And in right. Toby's piece, you'll have heard that he turned up and, and was actually told to refer to DWP. So you turn up in good faith to be judged, which in itself is, is far from ideal, but it's a process everyone has to go through. Uh, and then just as you, you, you front up and, 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 you know, ready for the ordeal, if you like, mm. the process, you're said, ah, we can't help you today, you've got to go back to DWP. Let me read the statement from DWP. A spokesperson says, where an assessment centre isn't on the ground floor, we endeavour to make this clear to people before they arrive for their appointment. If people have mobility problems, which may make evacuation in the event of a fire difficult, a home visit or an appointment at an alternative ass assessment centre is arranged. Yeah, and under the equality duty, that is described as reasonable. Now, we could discuss all day what that means, reasonable. Mm. Um, home visits, as we said, a lot of people are very private, and having to go through the process is bad enough. Having to go through it the humiliation sometimes in your own home mm. you know and strangers come into your house people don't want that uh, and i say that the key thing there is that the next available the nearest centers are milton kings and cambridge mm. and, and we're getting calls on a daily basis people being sent to those centers uh, and that's uh, a good hour's journey whether you drive or not what message do you think this is sending uh, I think it clearly shows that the Department of Work and Pensions don't understand the needs of disabled people. Uh, if I were a contractor, so mm. if I were Atos, uh, you could say luckily I'm not, but if I was Atos, then I'd be embarrassed that actually we are delivering a service that's not in an accessible building. And I think Atos and DWP need to front up on this. There are political issues around it, uh, and uh, to be fair to Andrew Slew and also Kelvin Hopkins, who may be diametrically opposed in, in political uh, persuasions, but they both want a good solution and outcome. Mm. And I think I don't think this story is finished. I think it has to be embraced and actually resolved properly. Uh, Mick Dillon from the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstable. Thank you very much for coming in. Nice to see you again. Pleasure. Thank You've you. dumped your wallet on the desk. It's a huge. Is that, is that cash or receipts? It's there? receipts. Uh, it always is, isn't it? Across beds, hearts, and barks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. We've been talking about the high street, uh, and uh, is the high street dead? Is it over, or should we be celebrating the high street and making more of it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. This is because of what's happening in Leighton Buzzard, where they're building, or we will be finding out today whether they're going to get permission to build an out-of-town shopping centre. Ed is in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Ed. Good morning, sir. Uh, what, what do you make of this? Um, well, I think. Oh, I would really like to see um, a big set of shops. I don't know where it is. Grovebury Road sounds like a good idea. But um, the wife's always complaining that she can't get um, kids' clothes, among other things, in the shops in the, in the town. So I think the, town, the shop owners in the town just have to um, evolve with the rest of us. So this, this centre that, that's planned for... Uh, uh, this retail part that's planned for Grovebury Road, you yeah. think, actually, it's going to be quite a good idea? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the argument that um, uh, shops are going to uh, people are going to get taken away from the town centre is valid, but historically, the town a town centre in any town has been um, a meeting place rather than a, a set of shops. People you just used to gather to have a drink and a coffee, you know. Yeah. Um, so 
So I think there is a a, a place. Well, if you're saying that you and your missus, you and your missus can't get the, the the stuff that you want easily, the clothes that you want. Where do you normally go for clothes? Milton Keynes. You go to Milton Keynes. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, um, it will take business away from the town centre, but um, I think the 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 town centre just has to change. You know, it's already got an awful lot of coffee shops and hairdressers and charity shops, mm. and I think that trend should continue. Do you think, Ed, that we are seeing the natural death of the high street yes. and town centres? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we always follow, follow America, mm. and what they have is, in, in the town centres, they have little shops, little um, specialist shops, coffee shops, beating places, and then they have massive, humongous football pitch-sized mm. um, shopping centres, which, to be fair, are much better shopping experiences because um, you've got a much bigger choice of stuff. But they're soulless, Ed. You don't get, you don't get the history, you don't get the ambiance, you don't get the, 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 the smells. Well, you can still have that in the town centre, but it'll just be different shops. Specialist shops, specialist chocolate shops, specialist um, food shops, deli-type shops. You know, the list is fairly endless. Oh, Ed, do you know what you've done now? What's that? You've made, made, me, really hu- you've made me really hungry. <laughs> Talking about your specialist chocolate shops oh, and your delis. Pancakes, go out and fill your boots. I will do, fella. Thank you very much. Ed in Leighton Buzzard. Lives in Leighton Buzzard. Says, well, to be honest, the, the, the high street, the town centre, doesn't really provide what him and his wife need. He's looking forward to this. He's hoping that this retail park that's proposed for Grovebury Road does get the thumbs up. It does make me think. The high street. When I was a kid, the high street was Boots, it was Smith's, it was Marx's, um, it was Dixon's. So you get everything in the high street. Your clothes, your electricals, your shoes, everything would be in the high street. But that's 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Is that an out-of-date concept now that you can go to the high street and get everything? I did struggle to find a shoe shop yesterday. Needed a pair of smart black shoes. I struggled to find them. Got them in the end. 45 quid. Boom. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, is the high street, is it an old-fashioned concept? Should we move on from the town centre? And yeah, you can have a couple of costas, a couple of charity shops. Um, you know, maybe a bookies. A speciality chocolate shop. Polish shop. But the, the, the Marxes and the, the, the Boots and the Smiths and um, the Gap and all of these things, they're going to be in these out-of-town retail parks where parking is free and that makes more sense, perhaps. 08459 455 555, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 7.45 exactly. Here's the travel news now with Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the A41 Watford Way, it is queuing following the earlier accident from Junction 2 of the M1 at Five Ways Corner. Congestion is back on the A41 to Stirling Corner at the moment. All lanes have been reopened, but still looking fairly slow at the moment. Now, clockwise on the M25, looking slow around Junction 23 at the A1M. Anti-clockwise, fairly start-stop as well between 21 at the M1 all the way through to 16 at the M40. And elsewhere, looking fairly slow. So on the A10, Great Cambridge Road, heading south through Enfield around at Bullsmore Lane and 
Southbury Road and also again on the A10 through Chesant, slow around Winston Churchill Way as well. Everything else not looking too bad this morning. Do have delays of 30 minutes on Greater Anglia between Stansted Airport and Liverpool Street following a broken down train at Chesant and 40 minute delays as well uh, heading through London Midland on train services between Tamworth and Rugby as well. That's Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Sophie. Morning at 7.46. It's Wednesday the 13th of February. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Councillors are being warned the future of Leighton Buzzard High Street lies in their hands today as they decide whether to approve plans for an out-of-town retail park. The jury in the trial of the Bletchley man accused of murdering Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning will resume their deliberations later at Luton Crown Court. In sport, John Higgins and Sean Murphy suffered shock first-round defeats at the Welsh Open Snooker in Newport. And coming up, it seems people are more likely to fall for scams if they speak to someone on the telephone. Well, a campaign is being launched today to increase awareness of scammers who are using landlines and mobile phones. Before 8 o'clock, I'll be talking to someone who's been caught out by a scam. But before that, let's get the latest weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, let's just do that. It's a chilly start to the day. Minus two at Luton at the moment. Mostly cloudy there, but there is some decent sunshine to be had first thing this morning. However, it will cloud over with a mean southeasterly wind springing up and the cloud. Uh, temperatures are going to struggle somewhat. Two degrees is the high for today, but I feel it will be feeling colder than that wind chill factor and all that so a really raw feeling day and we are going to have a weather front that crosses into this cold air now that's going to turn to a little bit of snow i think for most of the three counties it really won't come to very much perhaps over the higher ground there will be a dusting but it's going to readily turn to rain as we go through the night however it's worth noting that uh, the first part of the night will be coldest just about freezing in some spots there could be one or two icy patches in the first part of tonight but the temperature will actually rise into the early hours of the morning and with that we'll have some heavy rain and some strong winds and we will probably wake up to that and travel to work in it tomorrow morning as well however by the afternoon it will be all out of the way and we'll have some sunshine instead with temperatures then eight or nine degrees celsius we'll certainly feel the difference then uh, temperatures again eight degrees on friday nearer where they should be with some lovely sunshine and the weekend isn't looking too bad either that's how your weather's looking this morning thank you very much Tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459. 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio Here every weekday, uh, Monday to Friday Those are the weekdays, aren't they? Yes, I had to think for a second It's been a tough old week Uh, Six till nine o'clock Now, phone scams Ever had a call from a company out of the blue Telling you that there's something wrong with your computer But oh no, don't, don't panic For a small fee, they can fix it for you They just need you to download some software And give them access to your computer Guess what? It's a scam. Research shows that more than 70% of people have actually fallen prey to phone scams in the past year. 
It comes as a new campaign is being launched to increase awareness of scammers who are using landlines and mobile phones. Well, Ruth Redman is from Ampthill and she got caught out as someone acquired a new mobile on her phone account. Morning, Ruth. Good morning. What, what happened? Um, we're talking about a couple of years ago here. We'd had um, a mobile phone with this company for probably 15, 20 years. Mm. Um, wanted to upgrade it, but sort of been thinking about it. In the meantime, Hubby bought me a new iPhone which I just swapped over onto that account. So, you know, wasn't looking at upgrading it. However, um, a few weeks later, I had a text message actually saying that, I mean, this wasn't them phoning me as such. Right. But it's another version, so watch it. Yeah. It <laughs> watch you, it. <laughs> I will yeah, do, watch yes. Watch it, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had a text message from uh, this company, you know, and it was a number I didn't recognise, and but it said, if your internet isn't working, put this and this number in, you know, your new settings. Oh. So I did it and didn't think it is. So what, you change it. your internet settings, like your DNS numbers yeah, and things like that? Yeah, okay. yeah. and I, I, I use it more on, like, when I'm at home and, and connect to the web or whatever. Um, but anyway, um, happened a few days later, it still wasn't working, had another text message, and I rung them in the end and said, what's happening here? You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't changed, I, you know, it's done it, but it's still not working. They said, oh, you've got a BlackBerry. I said, uh, no, I've got an iPhone. And didn't really sort of twig. I thought you got it wrong. And they said, yeah. oh, okay, checked my um, password, etc. when I went into it. However, what I didn't realise was until I went into the internet page a few days later, Hubby said, we might as well get a new phone. I'll have that one. Um, and um, realised that some of the details have been changed. And it said, you're not entitled to an upgrade for two years. Mm. Anyway, when I actually looked at it, the password so make sure you check these on the web page was actually visible now i don't recall it being visible before yeah which was fishy the the address had been changed um this is the web page where you bought the phone yeah, yeah. The, you have to have a way you have to log in you have to have right. a password when you ring up and speak to them okay yes so i assumed a somebody's logged in you know hacked into that yeah um well Somebody must have known that my phone was due for an upgrade, which is a bit fishy. Yeah. I rang the company and they said, oh, no, no, you can't have an upgrade for two years. I said, but I haven't had an upgrade. Oh, yeah, you had a BlackBerry. Ooh. Top of the range one, you know, sort of seven, eight hundred quid. Yeah. And, but that, you know, I said, well, nobody's told me. And they'd actually sent a new one and they'd changed an address on this thing, which obviously Broad Squad was involved. Um, and um, we did get it sorted out, but it, I never had an upgrade. I told them where to go because I wasn't very happy with it. But what worried me was the fact that not only somebody had got into the, the internet, which we know that people hack in all the time, yeah. but why was my password visible on that? Yeah. That was the one you needed when you phoned them and they said, what's your password? Um, so uh, you do, Matt, wonder whether it was an inside job, actually. <laughs> uh, I, do you know, don't say the name of the company. But I'm I, not going I, no, to. don't. But I um, left a phone company years ago yeah. because I know for a fact they were giving out my details to people. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. for a fact. I wonder if it's the same one. We won't, we won't go for any questions. No, How did no. it make you feel, Ruth? I, I felt violated more than anything else. I was, I was cross the fact that they hadn't ever even sort of texted me and said, thank you for your new upgrade or whatever. You know, and the new one we went up, up with actually did a bank transfer for one penny, yeah. um, which normally they do to check that your bank account's working. Yes. Now, had they have done that, they would have known immediately it wasn't, because I would have been alerted with it. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, so if ever you get an alert that you've had a bank transfer for a penny or a text or to change your details, check with your phone company. You're extra vigilant now, aren't you? Oh, I've, I've always, I thought I always thought I was very vigilant. Yeah. My husband does, you know, builds computers and stuff, and we know about all these where people ring up, etc. and we've had people on the phone. My wife's just given them some numbers. It's, oh, right, okay. And obviously we've said, stop it at your bank immediately. Um, other things, it's like, you know, phone scans where... My sister had one. Somebody rung up and said, oh, you've had an accident in the last year. And, you know, it's quite worrying. Yeah. You're thinking, who's had an a- Your family has an accident. Mm. Well, when they rang me with that one, I just said, oh, have, have they? And, oh, yes, in the last two years. I said, well, that's lucky. I said, because the building wasn't here two years ago. <laughs> Ruth, listen, I appreciate you coming on and telling us about that. And it's, it's, it's a good warning. Be vigilant. Ruth Rebben there from uh, Ampthill got caught out. Be vigilant. Don't, don't, don't trust anybody. <coughs> Excuse me. When they phone up or they text you, as they texted Ruth there, you've got to be so careful. I say, I, I annoyed my bank. They phoned up to, um, I, don't, I can't remember what it was. And they asked for something. They phoned me and they asked for my password. I said, I'm not going to give it to you. They said, well, then we can't proceed with this. I said, well, that's your, that's your problem. You've, you've called me. You prove that you're my bank. I think it was Nat West at the time. Or maybe it was Lloyds. I don't know. You prove, <coughs> excuse me, you prove that you're who you say you are. I don't need to prove who I am. You've called me. Uh, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on. Pam in Milton Keynes says, I pretend to be at least 90 when I get these phone calls and make me take them through it, but I act as if I'm finding it hard and ask them to repeat. In the end, I think the chap on the other end hands himself in. Jen of Houghton Regis says, I get about five calls a week. Really? See, I've not had the, the computer virus call. Well, saying that, we, didn't, we never used our landline. For two years, we had a landline. We didn't, it, it wasn't even plugged in. Uh, no, 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 and guess what? I'm getting, I've just moved house. What date is it now? The 13th. I'm getting my landline and my internet uh, installed. When? No. No. The 27th of February. The 27th of February, I'm getting the internet. It's going to be a tough few weeks. Anyway, Jen says, I get about five calls a week offering to repair my computer, usually in an unintelligible foreign voice. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything because the, I was speaking to a woman yesterday from who had a very, very strong uh, Scottish accent, I think, uh, about my internet, and I, I couldn't make head and the tail of it. They cannot believe I don't have a computer or laptop and ring off promptly. Uh, on Facebook, Helen says, I tell them I don't have a, com- a, a computer or that your company have already fixed it last month. Claire says, I had Microsoft calling me saying I had a problem with my PC as a message was sent to them when I last logged on. I asked them when that was and told the day before. My laptop hadn't been working. Hasn't been working for two months. So I told them this and gave them a piece of my mind too. The thing is, I bet you lot, of, I bet you lot can be very angry. I'd hate to get on the wrong side of you. Oh, I have this week. Yes. Linda says, I tell them I need to put them on hold and then I do for a very long time. The current record for longest holder is 20 minutes. I used to do that. Yes, can I just uh, put you on hold? Thank you. Be, yeah, back in a second. Put them down, watch TV. Then I'd go back every 10, 15 minutes and have a listen. I think I had someone lasting 30 minutes once. Stephen says, they rang me four times last year asking for, oh dear, asking for my late wife by her maiden name. They tried it on me as well. However, being an IT consultant by trade, I've known about this for a while. And Carleen says, on one occasion, <laughs> I went hysterical and panicky just to see what the guy on the other end did. I started saying, oh, my God, all my stuff is on there, and pretended to cry. He soon hung up. That's genius. That's genius. How do you cope, dear listener? If, if, if someone phones up 
and you know it's a scam or it's these annoying people trying to sell you insurance or you want an upgrade to your, your package. What do you do? Do you have little tricks? I did phone up. It was an internet scammer who um, claimed he could make me $10,000. And I got him to send me a photo. Now, obviously, he was Nigerian, this gentleman. I got him to send me a photo. Big fat white man was the picture. I said, yeah, could you send me a photo of you holding my name? And he did. But my name was so obviously computer superimposed on this picture. And then I got his phone number. He was called, his name was Rooney Jeep. He'd obviously just Googled English words and come up with Rooney Jeep. And he was, he was awful. And I said, look, my wife is dead. I'm struggling to feed my children. I may have to... I think I said to him, I may have to sell one of my children. Are you sure this would work? This would make the difference between life and death. Oh, yeah, yeah, this will work. I've still got his phone number. Maybe we'll give Rooney Jeep a call later on. Right, 7.58. Let's get the travel news. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the A41 Watford Way through Hendon, it is still queuing following the earlier accident from Junction 2 of the M1 at Five Ways Corner. Congestion is back on the A41 to uh, Stirling Corner at the moment. All lanes have been reopened, but still looking fairly slow. The A10 Great Cambridge Road heading south, still slow between Bullsmore Lane and Southby Road, and also slow again through Chesant, particularly around Winston Churchill Way. Now moving on to the motorways, clockwise on the M25, looking slow between Junction 23 at the A1M, and also very slow anti-clockwise start-stop all the way through from Junction 21 at the M1 through to 16 at the M40. Now we are still having problems on the trains as well. Greater Anglia have delays of 30 minutes on services passing through Chesant following a broken down train also affecting the Stansted Express of course. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bang on time Tyler, bang on time Tyler. It's not something you say very often about Sophie but excellent Sophie, thank you very much. The High Street Should we do more to save it or is it dead? We'll talk more after the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines claims new retail park would kill trade in Leighton Bossard. Disability Test Centre passed fit for purpose despite safety concerns. And Deputy Commissioner in hot water over Nazi comparison. BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners are calling on councillors to protect Leighton Bossard's high street by throwing out plans for an out-of-town retail park later today. Local traders believe passing the development of a site on Grovebury Road would kill trade, leaving Leighton Bossard with as many empty shops as Dunstable. But according to Richard Dodd from the British Retail Consortium, those fears are largely unfounded. Well, they tend to have a different sort of retailer on them, and that tends to be things like furniture, electricals, those big items that are sold by the destination shops that you go to less often than you go to a high street, which tends to be more of a browse around and part of a general leisure activity. So they're they're not straight competition. The jury in the trial of a Bletchley man accused of murdering a Milton Keynes teenager in December 2000 will resume their deliberations later this morning at Luton Crown Court. 41-year-old Shahid Ahmed denies murdering 19-year-old Rachel Manning. One of the biggest manhunts in Californian history appears to have been brought to an end with a car chase, a gunfight and a log cabin being set ablaze. The former Los Angeles policeman Christopher Dorner, who's accused of at least three murders, is believed to have died in the fire.
Disability benefit tests will continue to be carried out at Luton's Cresta House despite concerns over its accessibility. The government insists the sixth floor assessment centre complies with the Equality Act despite its having no emergency exit for clients with restricted mobility. Those people are being told to either go elsewhere or arrange a home visit. The centre is run by Atos on behalf of the Department for Work and Pensions, but McDillan from the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstable says neither organisation is fulfilling its obligation to the public. It clearly shows that the Department of Work and Pensions don't understand the needs of disabled people, but if I was Atos, then I'd be embarrassed that actually we are delivering a service that's not in an accessible building. And I think Atos and DWP need to front up on this. The Environment Secretary Owen Patterson is going to Brussels today to meet other European ministers to discuss the growing scandal of horse meat being passed off as beef. Experts from the Food Standards Agency are examining meat and paperwork seized yesterday from an abattoir and a processing plant in the UK, which it alleged were implicated. The Police and Crime Commissioner in Hertfordshire has said he's concerned by a post shared by a member of his staff on Twitter. Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner Dr Rachel Frosch, who's a Conservative, retweeted a comment which likened socialists to Nazis. Sport now and in Football's League 1, MK Dons are now 10 points off the playoff positions after their nil-nil draw last night with Doncaster. Meanwhile, Stevenage are 14th in the table after losing 2-0 at Brentford. The weather frosty this morning with the chance of light sleet or snow later on and a top temperature of 3 degrees Celsius. That's 37 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Hey, Kath. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, it's gone. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Morning. Wednesday, three minutes past eight, the 13th of February. We're rattling along this year, aren't we? I'm 40 in June. I know. I know, I probably sound much older and much wiser than the 39 years I am. I'm 40 in June and it just gets closer and closer. Can't we put a break on time for a little bit? Is that, have they invented a machine that does that? I think they did. Or maybe it was a dream. Coming up before nine o'clock, before JVS, campaigners say an out-of-town shopping centre will force traders in Leighton Buzzard to close. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has spent the morning with protesters. You can see them uh, at facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. What do you do to support your local high street? Or do you think the high street, the town centre, it, it, it's an old-fashioned concept? We should move. We should change. The high street is dead. 08459 455 555. When scammers call you, what do you say to get rid of them? Apparently 70% of people have actually fallen prey to phone scams in the past year. And the Environment Secretary Owen Paterson is meeting other European ministers in Brussels later over the horsemeat in beef scandal. We'll preview what he's going to say. I've given you the Facebook page. You can text as well. 81333. Start your text 3CR. And do include your name, please. And give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just been sent a very, a very strongly worded message on the internal computer system from Catherine Boyle. She's used indoor language. I'm going to copy, let me copy that. I'm just going to copy that. I'm just going to send that to the boss. Subject, harassment and bullying at work. Excellent stuff. 
Now, it's claimed a new shopping centre for Leighton Buzzard could destroy the town's traditional high street. Campaigners fear an out-of-town retail park in Grovebury Road will pull shoppers away from the heart of the town and force traders to close. Councillors decide whether to approve the plans today. We sent our reporter Sophie Solera to spend the morning with protesters. Save our town, save our community, save our town. So Colin, can we start with you? Why are you all so upset? This is the wrong development in the wrong place. The developers have been speculative in what they're doing. The actual need for latent buzzers in the town centre, not a mile outside. And Tom, wouldn't it be great to have some more shops in Leighton Buzzard? Uh, yes, it's okay to have shops in Leighton Buzzard, but this uh, development is an attack on the community because we have a fine working community in the high street as it is, including the charities, the shops cooperating with the churches, and we have a perfect society that we do not want it to become like Dunstable, which we expect it to happen if these plans go ahead. Ken, some people may say that you're trying to stand in the way of progress. What would you say to that? I'd say not at all. All I'm trying to do is to prevent the destruction of the town centre. Simon, don't you think Leighton Buzzard should modernise itself like other towns such as Milton Keynes and bring it up today? Yeah, I think that we have a really fantastic high street at the moment, which is full of really independent, unique shops, which is, you know, modern in itself. I think that we should protect what we have. Um, Everybody I speak to is really against it. Um, people are just about hanging in there in our high street. All the retailers, we're just surviving in a really difficult time at the moment. Developers, planners, councillors should be helping the shops that they have here not lose everything. That's not very modern if there's nothing here. Sylvia, people generally hate change, but some change can be good and it may even bring more people to Leighton Buzzard in, and in turn to the high street, no? Um, not, not if the changes are not good changes and most of these changes are being decided on by people who don't live in Leighton Buzzard and the meetings are held in tick sands so the people in Leighton Buzzard feel as if they have no voice because we have um, a central beds council and some of the people who are making these decisions have never even been to Leighton Buzzard and one example is they were going to close a very good school down about five years ago and this decision was made by a lady who'd only ever visited Leighton Buzzard I believe for about 20 minutes and people protested against that and we kept the school and we're hoping to keep our high street because most of the shops that are planned on this retail park we already have in the high street. Victoria so far you've not met anybody to discuss this what do you want to say to the developers? I think they're being completely disingenuous. They're talking about selling bulky goods that are complementary to the town. They are selling every class of goods apart from clothes shops. The people who support them think they'll be getting Marks and Spencers and shops like that, but that's completely untrue. The furniture shops that they'll be bringing in are more expensive than our existing furniture shops. And we desperately need more shops in the centre of the high street The developers openly say they're going to take £3 million from the high street. They're saying they'll get the rest back from Milton Keynes, but they have no evidence. They are twisting the figures, and we think this is completely wrong, and they are misleading people. A lot of passion there. That's our reporter, Sophie Solaria, speaking to protesters in Leighton Buzzard. Listening to that is Brian Hibbett. He's a Leighton Buzzard resident and former chairman of the Luton and Bedford Chamber of Commerce. Morning, Brian. Yeah, it's the Bedfordshire Chamber of Commerce. I, now d- I, the whole I do apologise for getting yeah. that incorrect, sir. What, yeah, do do you fine. think the protesters have a point? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've lived here for 40 years, and I think we've got a great high street. Um, you know, it's got a good range of shops. I think one of the greatest things it's got going for it is that the supermarkets are quite close to the town centre, so you can do a supermarket shop and visit the specialist shops in the town centre, have a coffee, going, go into the Swan, which has been wonderfully done up by Weatherspoons and people like that. So it is, a, it is a good place to go, and I shop there. I do shop there most of the time. Is this retail park going to kill the high street? In my view, not. Um, I, um, I find, you know, whilst I go into the town centre most of the time, I do find there is a lack of choice. Uh, there are also some specific things that you can't get. And so what happens is you end up going somewhere else. Mm. Um, I go to Aylesbury or, or, or sometimes Milton Keynes. Not terribly keen on Milton Keynes, but... Um, just to give an just to give an example, I think this means when I but when I go to Aylesbury yes. or when I go to Milton Keynes, I'm going to do the rest of my shop there. Yes. So quite a few times a year, Leighton Buzzard traders miss out on my business. I go over there, go somewhere else, get pick up something. Um, well, they're going to miss out on have a coffee. They're going to miss out on more business then. If if a mile away, two miles away, there's this um, uh, retail park then they're going to lose more businesses. Surely it's going to be damaging to the high street, isn't well, it? Well, just, just let me give you a very practical example. Um, I do quite a lot of do, uh, do it myself. You know, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Um, and I, f I often find that I can't get the things I need currently in Leighton Buzzard, even in home base, um, which is likely to close, as far as we know. Um, and, uh, and that offers probably the, the, the biggest range. Selections in the high street is great, but it's just not a big enough shop. So um, I, I use, um, I go to a, a company called Screwfix, who um, you can click and collect. They're in Aylesbury, or they were in Aylesbury. Um, you, I could drive over there, get what I wanted. That perhaps happened half a dozen times a year. So I then shopped in Aylesbury. Screwfix has now moved to Grovebury Road. Right. Um, which means that already, since they opened, I haven't been to Aylesbury. What I do, I, on both occasions, I went to Screwfix, yes. click and collect, picked up my stuff, went on into a Leighton Buzzard, um, had a coffee, did some other shopping, and went home again. So, you know, the, 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 we, need to keep, we need to give people the reasons to come to Leighton Buzzard well, rather than go to Aylesbury or Milton Keynes. But, but, but I'm, conf I'm confused by, by the point you're trying to make there, because if this out-of-town retail centre is built, they won't have any reason to go to Leighton Buzzard, will they? Because everything will be in this, this thing. You'll get coffee yeah, yeah, in there, you'll get, you'll get your screw fix, as you mentioned, you'll have your boots, your yeah, smiths, but, yeah, your marxes. Um, I don't think they'll have boots and marks. What, what boots will want to be where most of the shoppers go? The shoppers will want to go... The, the big draw of the high street for most people will be being able to do your weekly food shop. Right. That's what most people do. This, you know, these retail parks should not, and I understand will not, have food shopping of that sort of... Uh, of that sort of so shopping. the food shops in Leighton Buzz are OK. What about the furniture shops and all the other shops? Um, they're OK up to a point, but there's not that much choice. So t tough on them. They should, they, they should either get bigger stock, more, more stock, or, or face they the could, consequences. They provide, a good, they provide a good service, but you can't get all the choice that you want in those shops, and, and, and you end up going somewhere else. So Tom Shattuck, who owns TK Furniture, it's tough. Um, 
I, he will still do trade in the town. People will still go into the town. I go into I go into those shops and look at the, look at what they've got. If I can get what I want in that shop, yeah. why would I go anywhere else? Brian, listen, uh, interesting talking to you. Thank you very much, uh, Brian Hibbert there, Leighton Buzzard resident, former chairman of the Luton and Bedfordshire Chamber uh, of Commerce. What do you think? Are we being too sentimental about high streets? And we have to accept, well, this is what happens. Phil has texted in. There, there is, oh, he's making my point exactly, there is too much sentiment attached to town centres. Good businesses will survive and bad will not. People are voting with their pockets. Well, I think there's a difference, Phil, between good and cheap. People voting with their pockets will go for, for cheap. Um, you know, Amazon and Play.com are cheap, but you don't get the, the customer service that you get going into an HMV. Where if I'm buying music, if you go into HMV, there are people you can talk to who will be able to kind of recommend and go, oh, you like this, or maybe you'd like that as well. With Amazon, you, you, you don't get that personal touch as much. And their recommendations on Amazon, flipping heck, what are they like? Rubbish. You bought, you bought this, so you know I don't like that nonsense that you've recommended. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you do? We've had very few people getting in touch this morning, um, apart from the protesters we heard there, who say, "Do you know what? This is outrageous. We must save the town centres and the high streets of Great Britain." We must do more. I go shopping there twice a week. I do my food shops and I get my children's clothes. We've had. I don't think we've had hardly anybody calling in to say that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you do? Listening to this, what do you do to save and preserve your high street? Coming up to eight fifteen, travel news. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A41 Watford Way heading south through Hendon is still queuing following the earlier accident from Five Ways Corner at Junction 2 of the M1 and congestion is back at the moment to Barnet Lane at Stirling Corner. The A1 heading south is uh, also looking slow just between the Kimbolton Turnoff and the Black Cat Roundabout and southbound on the A10 also slow between Turnford and Winston Churchill Way going to take you nearly half an hour to get through that stretch. Now anti-clockwise on the M25 looking at delays of around 40 minutes between 19 at Watford through to 15 at the M4 and 25 minutes worth of delays between uh, 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Clockwise also very heavy at Junction 23 at the Barnet Bypass. Uh, everything else not looking too bad out there uh, on the uh, roads at the moment. But on the trains we have delays of 20 minutes on East Midland services heading it down uh, passing through the area towards St Pancras and 20 minute delays as well on Greater Anglia services passing through Chesant following a broken down train and the Stansted Express. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 8.16 exactly. It's Wednesday the 13th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners are calling on councillors to protect Leighton Buzzard's High Street by throwing out plans for an out-of-town retail park later today. A jury will resume their deliberations this morning in the trial of Bletchley man Shahidal Ahmed, who's accused of murdering Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning. In sports tonight, Manchester United face Real Madrid in their first leg match at Bernabeu. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Frosty this morning with the chance of light sleet or snow later. Top temperature is three degrees. And coming up, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. The Deputy Commissioner shared a tweet likening, likening socialists to Nazis. We'll hear more before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people. As usual, over a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amtour, we said, hey, why don't we have a, a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rhymes to Elvis Presley. And sometimes I try to learn new skills. And then you've got the white thread basically connected to these bobbins, which... Don't make... rubble, oh, don't mess them up. Did. I do. may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. No dance. Did you have any of Nick Coffer's um, lovely pancakes? Do you know, I finished my show yesterday. Yes. Was there a pancake left? Oh. Was there heckers like? He made 30. Well, they'd all gone. I had three. Some greedy pigs work here. Well, Catherine Boyle. They'd all gone. Yeah, seven pancakes she had. Seven? Seven pancakes. See, Catherine Boyle, who's, who's bullying me on, uh, on the internet, the internal internet. Is she? Yes, I've reported her to all the relevant parties. <laughs> it's not a joke, it's serious. <laughs> Don't call me words like that. Uh, yes, the pancake, Nick Coffer made pancakes yesterday. They were delicious. I take back everything I've ever said about him. <laughs> I, to be honest, though, pancake's a bit sweet for me. I'd like it because basically a pancake is a Yorkshire pudding, isn't it? It's a flat pudding, yes. But you can have a sa- you can have a sour one. I'd like it savoury, gravy, and a bit of uh, roast beef on it. Ooh. I had um, lemon sugar. Uh, he made like a nice little apple kind of sauce as well, and um, yes, that was delicious. Delicious. Nice. Yeah. I'm really hungry this morning. I'd hate to suggest to my team that we go for a fry up on a Wednesday, but I might suggest to my team we go for a fry up on a Wednesday. You're getting some nods yeah, in the other room. Look I know at it's that. dirty, isn't it? But we might do that. Yeah. Why not? All right. Fine. Why not? When I used to do my show later, yes, uh, we used to have bacon sandwich Friday. Every Friday we'd mm. have a bacon sandwich. Yeah. Beautiful. You can't. Oh, you don't eat meat, do you? No. Do you, do you want me to get your sausage in a bap? Would you, like, would you like a sausage? I'd love a sausage in a bap. No, no, bap. actually don't, because I'm on a health drive at the moment. No, don't. Sausage in a bap is healthy. No, but I'm, I don't trust sausages at the moment. Uh, bacon in a bap. No, e- don't. No, please Egg don't. roll. No, because it gives me smacky lips. I don't want to be doing the whole show like that, because I've got bacon in my mouth. The callers do that enough as it is. You don't want to be encouraging it. <laughs> What's on your show this morning? Well, if I have any callers after that comment... They will, because... I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt. We were laughing. Um, what, was you, what were you talking about yesterday? What was the first topic of the, the, the big phone-in? Yesterday? Oh, but, don't ask me what I was doing no, I, know, I can't a, remember. I can't remember what I was doing five minutes it ago. It was about 70-year-olds driving. driving That's right. Us. Yes, elderly drivers. And we... It was, it was on very, very loud in the office. Normally, we, we, we put on um, two or heart or something. But we were listening... <laughs> no, we listened to you. Because there was a wonderful lady... Who Doreen. Doreen put you totally in your well, place. hang on a minute. She put me and you in our places. She said that I was as bad as you. She said that we were like a couple <laughs> of teenagers. I haven't been called that since I was a teenager. And yet it's distinctly accurate. Isn't it really? Very much. Sure. It was on, it was on about twenty past nine. Uh, twenty past nine, I think it was. Yes. Uh, go and listen to it on iPlayer. It's really funny. It was wonderful. She owned you, I believe. Yeah, she the did. I think she did own me. It yesterday. was. We we were all chuckling away. Yeah, it was funny. It was very good. Well worth a listen. Yes. What's well, we'll, on today's show? We'll see if Doreen phones in today. Yes. Because I'm asking, is the horse meat scandal changing the way you eat? It's getting more and more serious. This horse meat scandal, isn't it? It's. It's. Very- it's I think we're getting. I genuinely think we're getting softened up. For dog, 
and uh, for Monkey. I think I think it's going to be the ho- we're going to look back to the glory days of when it was just horse. Really, I do believe that genuinely. Yes. Well, the horse meat scandal has taken another turn, and this time it's closer to home. Work at an abattoir in the north of England and a meat processing plant in Wales has been suspended after claims they supplied horse meat for beef burgers and kebabs. It's the first time that allegations have been made against meat processing sites in the UK. And today, the Environment Secretary Owen Paterson will meet other European ministers in Brussels to discuss the growing scandal of horse meat being passed off as beef. I can honestly say to you, Ian... Mm. I love my meat, and there have been times when I've, you know, had a late day or whatever, and I think, I can't be bothered to cook. So I'll pop into the supermarket, I'll get a cottage pie, something like that, shove it in the oven, glass of Pinot, job done. I thought you were going to say a kebab for a second. No, I've never had a kebab in my life. But I, I wouldn't do that now. Really? In fact, I'm not sure I will ever eat processed meat again. This has totally put me off because I, mm. I tell you what it is. It's not even the fact that it might have been horse because there's an argument to say, you know, if you're prepared to eat one animal, yes. you yes. should be prepared to eat another one. It's not even that. It's the, it's the deceit. Yes. And it almost feels as if the whole meat processing companies, it's all dirty now, isn't yeah, it? It's, 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 it's almost sullied. a bit criminal. Yeah. It's unpleasant. So it's certainly going to change the way that I'm eating. And I wonder whether in some ways it might be a change for the good. Mm. Will people start cooking their food again? Will people start teaching their children how to make their own cottage pie rather than go down the supermarket and buy one that's been ready-made with horse or monkey or dog, as you were suggesting? From nine this morning, I want your view. Is the horse meat scandal changing the way you eat? Call me on 08459 at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're being softened up. We were discussing this yesterday. Paul Scorings came up with the theory it'll be monkey. I think there'll be dog. It's definitely going to happen. Now, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire has said he is concerned with a Twitter post by one of his staff. The Deputy Commissioner shared a tweet likening socialists with Nazis. Dr Rachel Frosch, a Conservative, retweeted or published a post from another user featuring a quote from Adolf Hitler. Former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police, Peter Nehru, told me earlier it was naive of the Deputy Commissioner. There's a lot of police officers that have got themselves into hot water using Twitter uh, and thinking that somehow or other you, were, you, you, you absolved yourself of responsibility by pressing the retweet button. Mm. Uh, but I think Rachel Frosch has discovered that the retweet button means to, that at least to some extent you're seen as endorsing what's in the message. And the one, the one which includes the picture of, uh, of Adolf Hitler is, is a pretty offensive tweet uh, and, and really rather unwise. Well, Rachel Frosch has deny, uh, declined an interview with us this morning. Abigail Harrison is from the PR agency White Oaks and has wide experience in social media. Morning, Abigail. Good morning, Ian. This does illustrate perfectly how careful we have to be when we're, we're using social media, don't we? Absolutely. Um, Some people liken Twitter to being um, on Speaker's Corner. I mean, it is essentially a public soapbox. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Abigail. I've just been told by Paul Scoynes that Dr Frosch has just closed her Twitter account. She has. I I, I went and had a look just to see what what she was saying. Um, Apparently, she did used to have a disclaimer in the biog in her about section, which essentially said, anything I retweet is not an endorsement. But that simply isn't really enough um, nowadays. The problem is you've only got 140 characters. That really doesn't allow for context, irony or humour to be communicated adequately. 
And it is not the reader's job necessarily to go back and do their homework and find out what on earth she or we are talking about on Twitter. Closing, sometimes celebrities and people in the public eye do close their Twitter accounts. And I just heard there, it's breaking news, that she has closed her Twitter account. Is that an admission of guilt? Is that the right thing to do? What does that say? Well, a very famous um, lady who closed her account was, of course, Sally Burko, who got herself into all sorts of hot water um, around the L word, the libel word. Yes. Um, and she has since reopened her account. Um, in a way, um, it doesn't really do anything other right. than um, blow hot water on, onto an already fairly heated situation. I, I suspect what she's trying to do is um, buy time to think um, and take stock. Um, but essentially, thousands of people, including you, um, will have taken screenshots of what she yes, said. Yes, it's out there. It's too late. It's out there. And this is why the Information Commissioner is currently trialling um, lessons in schools. It's apparently going on in Cambridge at the moment to teach our kids the dangers of, or not necessarily the dangers, because social media isn't all about danger. It's, it's actually a fantastic platform mm. in order to get a word out. I mean, to be able to tweet a politician or a police commissioner is something that that sort of access is, is really precious, and we should we should we should treasure that. Um, but if we need to teach our kids about common sense when it comes to our data, how we talk, what we say on Twitter, then I think harnessing or, or, or telling our public servants, so to speak, to use innovative ways of talking to the general public, such as through Twitter, surely they should have a little bit of basic you know, training before they actually jump in. I, all, I, I always think this, I've got in trouble on Twitter in the past, and I've, I've learned my lesson by having Surely my, my Twitter... Him. Oh, you'd be surprised <laughs> what I got sacked from for that nonsense. But it, I, I think the thing is, if you, if you have an idea for a tweet, don't do it for five minutes. Go and have a think about yes. it. There, yes. was a, there, there are other examples of this. There was a, a couple of weeks ago, there was, I think, a Lib Dem MEP, whose name escapes me, but when the, um, the siege was taking place in that oil refinery in the desert, uh, and, and people were being yes. killed, he yes. tweeted... Al Qaeda one, David Cameron nil. Yeah, and that was terrible. Obviously, people had died, and and yet he he put it out there. Yeah, terrible. I mean, another very famous example is um, during the riots in the summer, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a boy who set up a group one evening when he was drunk, essentially inciting a riot. Um, in the morning, he deleted it, just as Rachel has done. Which, yep. uh, I'm not comparing her actually nope. at all. Of However, he deleted it thinking it would all go away, but it was too late. He's now in prison for four years. Wow, that's incredible. Give, give, give us a couple of, of, of tips, a few do's and don'ts for Facebook and Twitter. I think, I think what you've just said is really valuable. Um, you know, that, that if, if, if you're worried about what you're about to put out on social media or on the internet, think about it. You know, it, it, some people say sleep on it. The trouble is with Twitter, you know, speed is of the essence. Is of the essence. However, if you have got any sort of public voice at all or public role, really, really think about it. I remember, and I, believe you me, I am old enough to remember when um, email came in. I remember getting trained on it and told... Never email back in anger and never email back when drunk. And it's exactly the same thing. I mean, the trouble is with social media, we can, we can get terribly carried away with it. It becomes almost like a little conversation with people who we think we know. And actually, we, we don't. And there is a huge in public on that sort of in conversation that we may well be having and our friends might know we're retweeting out of outrage or whatever it might be but it, 
Sure, that, you know, it, w- the other people who are, who, are, who are listening and watching don't know and shouldn't know necessarily. So a retweet can be seen as an endorsement and people need to be aware of that. Abigail, thank you very much for coming on. Abigail Harrison from the PR agency White Oaks. And just to, uh, uh, to reiterate there, the breaking news that Dr Rachel Frosch, who uh, retweeted a, a, a link, uh, a comment that compared socialists to Nazis, has closed her Twitter account. The way that works, I closed mine the other week for about 20 minutes, is you can close it... You have a month to kind of decide, a month cooling off period is how that works. But Dr Rachel Frosch has closed her Twitter account. Right, coming up to 8.30, here's the travel news. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A41 Watford Way heading south is queuing at the moment following the earlier accident from Junction 2 at the M1 at Five Ways Corner. Congestion is back on the A41 to Stirling Corner. All lanes have been reopened but still looking fairly slow, I'm afraid. Delays on the M25 anti-clockwise as well of 40 minutes to 19 at Watford and 15 at the M4. And also delays of half an hour between uh, the Junction 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Everything else not looking too bad on the roads, just a few usual delays but don't forget on the trains first campus connect services are at a stand between finity park and moorgate due to a fire alert at essex road and on east midlands trains as well delays of 20 minutes heading in from the north towards st pancras international so will be causing problems passing through the area and greater anglia services have delays of 20 minutes passing through chesant following a broken down train also affecting the stansted express sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you very much sophie and here's the reason that jvs couldn't have any pancakes yesterday It's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8.30. The headlines, campaigners are calling on councillors to protect Leighton Bozzard's high street by throwing out plans for an out-of-town retail park later today. A jury will resume their deliberations this morning at the trial of Bletchley man Shahidul Ahmed, who's accused of murdering the Milton Keynes teenager Rachel Manning. And disability benefit tests will continue to be carried out at Luton's Cresta House, despite the sixth floor assessment centre having no emergency exit for clients with restricted mobility. <laughs> Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. MK Dons are now 10 points off the League One playoff positions after their 0 0 draw with Doncaster last night. Dons boss Carl Robinson thought his side gave a lacklustre performance. It wasn't acceptable. But they put, they've come to a team second in the league who needed a performance at home to stay there. So they, they put everything into the game as well. And we deserved all three points. And we didn't get them. Also in League One, Stevenage are 14th in the table after losing 2-0 at Brentford, but Gary Smith remained positive about his side's performance. There's plenty to be and feeling good about, pleased with a lot of performances and the way that they conducted themselves. Normally we see, you know, one or two of the guys step forward. We've, you know, we've been able to find the back of the net on most occasions, but tonight it was an area that let us down. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers lost 3-0 at home to Bradford City. And in the conference, Luton are now six points off the playoffs after another away defeat last night. The Hatters lost 1-0 at Dartford, leaving boss Paul Buckle bemoaning missed opportunities. We had a lot of opportunity to deliver balls into the box. The delivery wasn't great at times. When you're playing with wingers, you, you know, the, the route to goal is crosses into the box. And we didn't do that tonight. 
Manchester United play Real Madrid at the Bernabeu tonight in the first leg of their last 16 Champions League tie. The match sees Sir Alex Ferguson face Jose Mourinho for the first time since the Madrid manager left English football. However, Mourinho's confirmed last night that he intends to return to the Premier League next season, but he hasn't revealed which club that might be. Finally, some of Team GB's Olympic heroes will receive honours at Buckingham Palace later. Among those being honoured is gymnast Lewis Smith. Following his silver and bronze medals at the Games, he'll receive an MBE. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, 8.33. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, JVS is on at nine o'clock. Always a cracking listen. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of this show, though, the Environment Secretary Owen Paterson is meeting other European ministers in Brussels later over the horsemeat in beef scandal. We'll preview what he's going to say. And almost 70% of people have fallen victim to phone scams. What do you say to the scammers to get rid of them? Many of you got in touch on our Facebook page to have your say. Go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR and read about the tricks that other listeners have been using. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been talking about high streets and town centres. There are plans, or we'll find out today, whether plans are going to go ahead to build an out-of-town shopping centre, a retail park, uh, just outside of Leighton Buzzard. And people in Leighton Buzzard are worried that that this might ruin their town centre. But do we really use town centres and high streets anymore? 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they were huge. You get everything there. But now with the internet and these retail parks... Are we just being a little bit sentimental? Francis is in Milton Keynes. Morning, Francis. Good morning. Do you use the uh, Leighton Buzzard shops, or have you used them at all? Well, I lived there for over 30 years, and uh, I, I moved over Milton Keynes area to help look after some grandchildren. But I go back shopping there because um, everything is where you want it. You've got Morrison's, Waitrose... Pound shop, Wilkinson's, everything you want, and it's so easy to shop. Milton Keynes is horrible for shopping. So I go back there and do all my shopping. So you, you actually go back to Leighton Buzzards? Yes, I do. But, and everyone knows you're in the shop. Yep. You, you've got two nice furniture shops. If, if uh, there's something you want, they will get it for you. You don't need to go traipsing around all these other places. But what about the convenience, Francis, of an out-of-town retail park where all the big stores are there, you know what's there, you can stop and have a nice coffee? I don't like them. Why? I never like retail parks. I think they're impersonal. They, you, you, they haven't got everything you want in one spot. You know, your food, your ordinary... You know, I know they've got... Most of them are furniture, aren't they? And, and um, bedding and things like that. And there's about like the one in Winter Hill. It's all, all beds and furniture, and you've got home base around the corner, but you, you, you can't walk then to the butchers and the bakers. You've got to get in your car and use fuel and go sailing up the road to get the rest of the stuff. I like to get on the bus, walk to these places, however long, you know, I mean, you can easily get from Morrison's down to Aldi, you know, and I use a walking stick and I put a have a sack on my back and I'll go and fill everything up, yeah. You've got a have a sack? Yes, I have. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. And then go and do my shopping or take do you my not, shopping trolley. Francis, I was about to say, do you not use the shopping trolley anymore? Has the yes, have a sack yes, replaced I do use, it? I do use my shopping trolley as well. I want to start a campaign, I've always wanted to do this, to start a campaign <laughs> to make the shopping trolley hip. 
Because it kind of, it, it is the most, if you're carrying lots of shopping, it is the most practical way of doing it. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't see, you know, you wouldn't see 22-year-old boys out with a shopping trolley, but yet it would make their life so much easier, wouldn't it? I think they'd use it if it got a horn on it and some flashing lights on the front. See, I mean, you do need that when you're in the crowd. Instead of shouting out, excuse me, and no one moves, if you've got a big horn that you could squeeze. How big's your horn? I haven't got a horn on mine, I just shout at the minute. <laughs> so hang on, is yours, we're talking about shopping trolleys, we're talking about the same thing. Are you talking about the tartan thing that you yes. pull behind you? Yes, no, 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 this one you push in front of you and it's a sturdy one, oh. I've had it 15 years. Oh, I see. And you, you push it and it's got swivel wheels on the front so you can do wheelies and, oh. and all that business. Technology has <laughs> improved. Well, I'm going st- to start a campaign, Francis, and I'm going to follow this through probably for the next, I don't know, two, three minutes mm. uh, to make the shopping trolley trendy and popular. I want some... Yeah, this is our campaign we've been looking for. I want young people out and about with their tartan shopping trolleys. Or or we could get... We talked about this yesterday. We could get the One Direction logo shaved into it, couldn't we? Well, you could. You could put all sorts of things on it. You could advertise for companies. You could have it on cars. Um, Francis, listen, you're a genius. Francis and Milton Keynes there has given me a cracking idea. Right, this is it. We are going to make... The Ian Lee Show is going to make... The uh, shopping trolley, hip and cool. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get a pop star. We need a pop star to push a shopping trolley. Thinking out loud here, you can tell my thoughts aren't always that well structured, but we're going to do something about this. We're going to do something about this. Now, ever had a call from a company out of the blue saying there's something wrong with your computer, but they can help? You just need to pay them a few quid, then they'll, you download a program and they'll access your computer. It's a scam. And research shows that more than 70% of people have actually fallen prey to phone scams in the past year. It comes as a new campaign is being launched to increase awareness of scammers who are using landlines and mobile phones. Jonathan Kerr uh, from Buckinghamshire-based Lacunae Risk is an expert in financial crime and fraud. Did I get the name right there, Jonathan? Uh, yes, good morning, Tim. Uh, sorry, good morning, Ian. Yes, you Okay, did. I got it right, you got it wrong, but it's for, we're, we're, <laughs> we're equal now. Do, do you come across this kind of thing very often, Jonathan? Um, it's funny, actually, yes, I come across um, a fair bit. A lot of people are getting calls from um, uh, unknown, uh, unknown parties calling them up and saying, we've detected you've got a problem with your uh, computer, and they'll frequently say they're from Microsoft or they're from your internet provider or they're from BT. Um, so uh, it's very important to uh, be, uh, be aware that... Um, as I say, these things are going on. And then explain exactly, explain exactly what happens, how this scam works, so that people are aware of it. Well, it's very simple. Um, they'll call you up and they'll say, oh, we found there's a, there's a problem with your computer. And usually they'll use some fairly open-ended questions like, have you noticed your computer's running a bit slower recently? And that's the sort of thing that people will go, oh, yeah, I have. And, oh, have you noticed the internet's a bit slow recently? And, oh, yes, I have. So they, they ask these very general open questions to build some sort of trust and rapport with their uh, intended victim. And then they'll say, right, well, what we can do then is we've got a program that can help you. So if you go to this website and download this program, then uh, run it on your computer and, um, oh, you might want to disable your antivirus just in case um, uh, so that we can really examine the system. And, you know, all these sort of things that uh, people, uh, people then do that. And, of course, what they're actually doing is they're downloading a program which in the computer security trade we call a, a backdoor or a Trojan program. Yes. Um, like the, uh, the Trojans who let the Greeks in in the, in the, uh, in the uh, horse. 
and um, then uh, it gives, uh, if you like, these uh, scam artists remote control over the computer. And, of course, once they've got that, they typically look for things like any stored passwords. Um, so they can access that, everything in your computer. They, 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 have, they basically they, they can look at your computer inside and out. Absolutely, wow. yeah. And, um, of course, we all kind of, we all live on our computers nowadays. Um, you know, we do our banking, um, we uh, do our grocery shopping, uh, we buy uh, gifts. You know, Valentine's Day coming up, I've been uh, doing a bit of shopping on uh, oh. online shopping, yeah. Oh, no, really? When is that? Well, it's tomorrow! <laughs> oh, nuts! Tomorrow, yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in trouble now. Oh, uh, but, yeah, then, um, as I say, they then basically have, you know, it's like the keys to the kingdom. And one of the other things that they will um, frequently install once they have this remote control is they install something called a key logger. And that can uh, monitor what you're typing. So if you go to your, for example, your online bank and it says put in you know, some characters from your password, they'll pick up the characters of your password. And so then wow. they, uh, again, access to online banking. And then, of course, there's some you know, even more unsavory things if they find any if you like, um, you know, any photographs Ooh. of family, then they can be used to, mm. um, you know, find other things. And uh, there obviously been, you know, a few stories about webcams being turned on. No, they can't oh, turn yeah. your webcam on while you're sat there without you knowing, can they? Well, unfortunately, um, there have been, I mean, not in the, not so much in the I UK, use my computer that. naked, Jonathan. That's a frightening thought, and this is probably why we're on the radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is that, that's genuinely terrifying. So they could watch you as well. Yeah, and so it's very, you know, I'd say it's, it really is a case of, I mean, it's when somebody's calling you up and they say, oh, just download and install this program, it's a bit like somebody saying, just give me the keys to your house. So I'm assuming, Jonathan, your advice would be, if you get one of these phone calls, just put the phone down. Um, I would say put the phone down. Um, I think it's certainly worth um, making a note of it. Um, if you get a number of these calls, obviously, then um, the local police are um, aware of this and they are, well, they're not just going to be able to do anything immediately. Um, my understanding is that the police are collating these incidents and then on national level are building a kind of fraud uh, record of this so they can, if you like, collect evidence of the, uh, like, how serious and organised this all is. Jonathan, listen, thank you. Fascinating. I didn't know about the, the, the they can turn on the webcams. Jonathan Kerr there. From Lacune Risk uh, is an expert in financial crime and fraud. Arthur and Milton Keynes, you've got a, a, a special, I would say, unique technique for dealing with these scam phone callers, have you? I have, Ian, yes. Yes, well, good morning. Good to morning. You, what do you do? Um, well, I'm an ex-butcher from way, way back. Um, and butchers have got their own sort of language. It's Ex- called backslang. Excuse- oh, backslang. Butchers, butchers have their own backslang, do they? Yes, 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 yes. We turn words round round the wrong way so for instance if you if you say leg and say it backwards it's gel yes okay so but when we get a calls from across the water for want of a word yes um these people are doing it off of, off of a, a script retail as soccer as you would say and and they're completely it's across the water backwards th- yes yes and sorry. they're completely f- flummoxed they just don't know what what you're on about Doogie and, Rev and Doogie Rev do it, do it to me then do it to me Arthur do, give me some back okay I'm, I'm a scammer hello can I speak to uh, Arthur in Milton Keynes please Gel uh, Spemel yeah. Enoch Fagodi oh we, we think you have a problem with I'm from Microsoft and I think you have a problem with your computer Gel uh, 
Oh, yes. Well, hey, Sam? C- can we have the password to your computer? Uh, uh, K-Cup? Arthur, why... Uh, uh, Ruthra, why on earth are mm. butchers talking backwards? What benefit does that have to butchery? This is the pro- this is why we this is why we've got blooming horse meat in our burgers because you're all talking backwards, you muppets. <laughs> That's why. No, it goes it goes back it goes back many 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 years, um, etc. Smithfields and things like that, and the old the old people the old men of the trade used to use it, and it was a way of Brilliant. communicating with your fellows uh, in the shop. And uh, if a young lady used to come in, you 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 instead of saying look at this lovely lady, you would uh, say other words backwards, and and they would come and have a. The butchers. The butchers. <laughs> they were coming over butchers. You dirty butchers. Doogie Rev. Uh, there we go. Fantastic. Wasn't that exciting? Butchers speak back slang. Love it. There's an exclusive. 8.45, travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The earlier problems we had on the A41 have since returned to normal. The accident has been moved from the five race corner. Looks like it will start to ease up now. Anti-clockwise on the M25, we are still looking at delays of 40 minutes, though, between 19 at Watford and 15 at the M4, and 25 minutes worth of delays between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. 20 minutes worth of delays on First Capital Connect services between Finsbury Park and Moorgate following an earlier fire alert at Essex Road, and 20-minute delays heading down from the north, passing through the area towards Pussum Pancras International, so do be aware and uh, do check before you travel. And 20-minute delays on the Stansted Express passing through Chesant and on Greater Anglia as well. That's all following an earlier broken-down train. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. 8.46, Wednesday the 13th of February. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners are calling on councillors to protect Leighton Buzzard's High Street by throwing out plans for an out-of-town retail park later today. Disability benefit tests will continue to be carried out at Luton's Crester House despite the lack of emergency exit for clients with restricted mobility. In sport, the Real Madrid boss Jose Mourinho says he intends to return to manage in the Premier League next season but hasn't specified which club he's likely to be joining. And coming up, we can bring you up to date with developments on the horsemeat scandal with the focus firmly on meat production in the UK. Find out more before nine o'clock. Before that, let's get the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a chilly start out there. Minus two at Luton Airport at the moment with a wind picking up from the southeast. So with the wind chill added in, it feels like minus seven. Really chilly start to the day. There has been some brightness around, but we'll start to lose that as we go through the rest of the morning with some cloud rolling in from the west. And with that, temperatures really struggling up to two degrees Celsius and feeling quite raw all the way through the day. The next thing that happens is we get a weather front uh, bumping up against this cold air. So there will be a little bit of snow, perhaps during this evening's rush hour and the first part of the night. It will just be light flurries here and there, but there could be a dusting over the higher ground, I suppose. But we're well versed by the snow now. We should uh, cope with this little bit, and it's going to be changing back readily to rain as we go through the rest of the night. But watch out for the first part of the night uh, for one or two icy patches here and there. So heavy rain, strong winds in the early hours of the morning, but the temperature is also going to be picking up. And that rain is going to move out of the way by lunchtime, certainly, through the morning and the afternoon 
afternoon will be lovely and sunny with temperatures perhaps reaching 8 or 9 degrees Celsius. What a turnaround. And for Friday as well, some fine weather, some sunshine, a high of 8 degrees Celsius and it's not looking too bad for the weekend either. That's your weather for now. Thank you very much, Wendy. On Valentine's Day, BBC Three Counties Radio launches on DAB Digital Radio. And as part of our special day to celebrate, we want to hear about your plans to propose to your loved one. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. If you're happy to share your romantic moment, email us 3cr at bbc.co.uk or via facebook.com and twitter.com slash bbc3cr. And don't worry, we won't let the cat out of the bag. Can I just say, yesterday we talked about the programme Tipping Point with Ben Shepherd. It's that, it's that penny shove game that you get at, at fairs. And uh, we were a little bit rude about it. I'd like to apologise to Ben Shepherd for being rude about Tipping Point. I watched it yesterday. It is easily, not one of the best shows I've ever seen, but one of the most addictive television shows I have ever seen in my life. It, if, they didn't, if they didn't have adverts... If they didn't have adverts in Tipping Point and, and it was on 24 hours a day, I could quite easily watch it. The only reason I could pull myself away from that programme was because some adverts came up and it was like the spell was broken. I was able to turn, get up, turn the television off and go and do something less boring instead. It, if you've not seen it, it's Ben Shepherd, three contestants. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they have to answer questions. There was a lad with a very strange haircut yesterday. I thought he was going to kick off. And then they win coins that then get dropped into this machine. You know, like the Tuppany slot machines they have at fairs and circuses. And they've got to knock coins off. It's flipping good. It's, no, it, it's not good. It's awful. But it's, br- it's brilliant. I could only walk away from it because some adverts came on. If it, had been, if it had been half an hour long or if it had been an hour without adverts, I would have been sucked in. So that's Tipping Point with Ben Shepherd. <laughs> Onto slightly more serious issues. And this story just keeps growing and growing. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. We can bring you up to date now with developments on the horsemeat scandal, with the focus firmly on meat production in the UK. This morning, after the news yesterday that two British firms were raided by police and the Food Standards Agency. The FSA has suspended work at the Peter Body Slaughterhouse in West Yorkshire and farm box meats near Aberystwyth on suspicion of passing off horse as beef. There's also been another supermarket product taken off the shelves after Waitrose found its essential frozen beef meatballs contain pork. The Shadow Environment Secretary, Mary Cree, told the BBC she no longer trusts buying mints. Let's just say that I'm not very keen on mints at the moment. I think I know a bit too much now. Mints in a ready meal or mints in a packet? Mints in a ready meal and mints in a packet. I'm afraid until the tests come back from the supermarkets, um, I want to see exactly what I'm getting. We've always known that that mints is lips and backsides, haven't we? We've always known that. So it is... It is. Don't pull that face, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, in your studio. That's me being polite. The cheap sausages and the mints, it's lips and backsides. We've known that. So always stay away from that. But it's, we're finding out more and more as this goes on. We can get an update now from our reporter, Gavin Lee. Good morning, Gavin. Yeah, we didn't know whose lips and whose backside. That, that, that's, that's the, that's, that's the well, thing, isn't it? Isn't it? We're discovering which animals they actually belong to. Tell us about the, the situation that these, these two UK meat plants. Yeah, so 
This is from the Food Standards Agency. I heard from a spokesperson this morning, very briefly, and I quote, they have definitely found horse meat purporting to be beef. And the statement goes a bit further to say, the agency and the police are looking into the circumstances through which meat products purporting to be beef or kebabs and burgers were sold when they were in fact horse. So they raided these two premises, as you mentioned, the Peter Body Slaughterhouse in Yorkshire, Farm Box Meats in Aberystwyth. They've kept all the meats to examine them. They've stopped production at both premises. They've seized the paperwork, including the lists of customers, so we don't know. They haven't confirmed yet who's who's selling them, who the customers are. Uh, but of course it's an ongoing investigation, so any allegations so far are just that. Of course, and the, the owners of both plants have spoken to journalists and they've denied any wrongdoing, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, interesting responses actually from both of them. The uh, BBC reporter last night spoke to the owner outside Farmbox Meats, who said for th- the last three weeks he's been cutting horse meat and it's legitimate, it's coming from a source in Ireland, though he knows nothing about this other plant in West Yorkshire. They're not connected, he says, and they're taking legal advice. Peter Boddy, uh, the other plant, said he has a legit horse slaughtering licence. He's done nothing that wasn't permissible. And with another day, I'm just, it's just so depressing this whole thing, another day comes news of another contaminated product. People are surprised. This is from Waitrose. Yeah, I mean, it's going more high-end now. We had the Tesco Nag Bowl yesterday, didn't we? Now, this exact brand is the Essential Waitrose 16 British Beef Meatballs. So um, they were tested a batch that were produced last summer. They contained pork. Uh, Waitrose have said some of the results appear to be contradictory, but they've taken all the, the meatballs from sale at the moment as a precautionary measure. And if you go into a, uh, a nearby waitress, you'll notice you should do today that customer notices have been put up everywhere. I briefly want to mention one more thing to you, Ian, which mm. is Mary Cray. She's just been on the BBC radio in the last 10 minutes. Yep. And she said this. This is strong words. Old people, poor people, people forced to eat school food, so school children, appear to be systematically defrauded by a food regulation system that can't tell us whether something is fit for consumption. So she's saying, you know, we are being let down, not knowing what we can eat because, the, you know, the system place is is absolutely poor has it changed the way you eat gavin yeah really you, you you're questioning what you're buying and, and, and buying different things yeah i'm massively i i would get home and you know be a little bit lazy and um get what i thought was a, a posh version of a packaged food but yeah you know i don't you know I, i'd rather make my own stuff and you know i gotta be honest and Purely from personal um, thought, not reflecting the BBC. No, of course, of course. But even getting things like chicken. And I know that chicken is something that's a product that's also starting to be looked at. I I start to think, well, what else? And I'm sure Mm. I'm not the only one in that sense. You do think, how big is this going to get? I I genuinely believe, we were talking about this yesterday, I genuinely believe this is the tip of the iceberg. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be looking back to the glory days of when it was just horse that was being found. I suspect there's more to come. You could be right. Gavin, thank you very much. Gavin Lee there. Well, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is asking that question from Nine. Is the horse meat scandal changing the way you eat? I think it has to, doesn't it? As it goes on and on and gets bigger and bigger, surely it must be. And, and I know we're all having a little bit of a joke. Our tongues are slightly in our cheek. But we still not found out whether these, this horse meat has, uh, is clear of that butte that everyone's talking about. JVS, 9 o'clock. Is, horse meat, is the horse meat scandal changing the way you eat? You can get your phone calls in now. 08459 455 555. You can also email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. The death of the high street. The, the demise of the town centre. Today we find out whether plans are given the thumbs up for uh, an out-of-town retail park uh, a couple of miles out of Leighton Buzzard. Um, Phil is in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Phil. Morning. You, you've got a shop in Leighton Buzzard, have you? Yes. What, what, yes. what is it? Uh, we're selections. So we have two sections, the sort of pet and garden gift, 
and sort of a hardware division as well. So, does this does this worry you? This this development about the out of town retail park. Yes, I mean, at the end of the day, not necessarily just for us, but for the state of the town. Um, I mean, obviously, I live in Leighton now, been here sort of 15 years. It's just the fact that everybody perceives, and historically, because, I mean, I've been here sort of like 26 years now Mm. in retailing, is that Leighton's always survived the recessions we've had previously, and we've never really had vacant shops. And um, the risk this poses in the sense that if it does drag more money out of the town is that Leighton may end up with vacant shops and we're not used to that um, so that we've been benefit the fact we haven't had retail parks other towns have got got them and obviously have suffered i.e. Dunstable and etc so mm. it's just that imbalance um, we've heard from retail experts Phil that, that, that this it'll be so different than what they're selling at these retail parks that it won't affect the centre of Leighton Buzzard do you disagree with that? In a sense, yes, because at the end of the day, a lot of these units at these two proposed retail parks are relatively small. They're not big, so I mean, obviously the idea that it kicked off is with home base. Um, the units they're talking about at these retail parks aren't as big as home base, nowhere near. So it's not, I suppose, the other aspect of it, which perhaps people aren't aware of, the retailers are such not against development of new stores. It's the position. Mm. There are two areas in Leighton Town Centre, and sort of immediate area, which is behind us at the south side of the High Street, and Bridge Meadows, which is near um, opposite Tesco's and near Shell. They're, they're up for redevelopment, and progress is you know, going on with those now. So it seems contradictory, for bearing in mind a government policy of support your High Street with Mary Portis, um, to be thinking about out-of-town retail parks when you've got two areas in the high street. The work has been progressed already. Money's already been spent on it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's taxpayers' money, mine and yours. Yeah. Um, they're trying to promote the high... I mean, the market. They should be focusing more on that. Phil, sorry to interrupt. Cause very Is there a crow in the house with you? Uh, that's the cockatoo, I'm afraid. What on earth? That's a terrible racket it's making. Uh, yeah, it's because I'm not paying it attention. I'm talking to, uh, talking to yourself. Phil, go off, go off and pay your cockatiel attention, for goodness sakes. Always got to pay your cockatiel attention in the morning. Everyone knows that. Phil, thank you very much. Uh, Phil uh, is from Leighton Buzzard and he's worried uh, what the retail park will do to business in Leighton Buzzard. Right, let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking fairly busy out there at the moment. Heading south on the Barnet Bypass, it's Kewham between Stirling Corner and the Mill Hill Circus. And Stratford Road in both directions through Milton Keynes, also queuing and partly blocked following a broken down lorry near Anson Road. Police are at the scene directing traffic. Now it's just near the police station and lorry is reported to be stuck in the mud there. Anti-clockwise on the M25, looking like we have delays of 25 minutes between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also very slow with delays of 40 minutes between 19 at Watford and 15 at the M4. Delays of 20 minutes on First Capital Connect between Finsby Park and Moorgate following an earlier fire alert and also on Greater Anglia. Trains passing through Chesant are looking like they have uh, 10 minute delays and the same can be said on the Stansted Express. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Paul very quickly has texted in on what he does with scam callers. I pretend they've called a crime scene and say things like, hold on please, could you dust the prints before you move the body? Oh dear. Here's JVS. Getting beds, hearts 
Nuts and Bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. What a link. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. Thank you, Ian. It's Wednesday and on today's big phone-in. Is the horsemeat scandal changing the way you eat? The horsemeat scandal has 